morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around, coming to you live from our press box studios here in Baltimore, Maryland, on a chilly but sunny Saturday morning. We are, I've realized, very close to the most depressing Walmart I have ever been in in my entire life. If you are familiar with the Baltimore um, area, you probably have an idea which Walmart I'm talking about. Every time I go in there, I feel like I need to come out and remind myself that this isn't life. It's like when I sit down and watch <laughs> uh, Requiem for a Dream. So I was in that Walmart last year, and uh, I was walking down the escalator, and there were a few people in front of me. And I kind of feel everyone just kind of clearing out. A woman fell from the top of the escalator. I'm in like the middle. A woman fell from the top and is rolling down as I'm standing there. She got down to the bottom, and she was fine. But that's the kind of stuff that happens. Did in that she Walmart. roll up and land right on her feet like a Trey Turner slide she, and just keep going? She was on her back. This is she was probably like in her seventies too, so like not like an easy fall. And uh, she took it pretty well though. She got right up, and a couple Walmart employees were there to help her up. She fell all the way down the escalator. I mean, I've never seen that before. Walmart strong, let me tell you. Walmart strong. One of the but few Walmarts with two floors, by the way. Yeah, and it um it's unique. We're not going to tell them exactly which one, but if you've already heard that it's two floors and it's in the Baltimore area, and you. You've heard me say where our studio is in the past. Um, Yeah, it is a... it's an experience. It, 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 Everyone's it, it, got to have once in their life. It's an experience, and you kind of um, look within and remind yourself, hey, <laughs> my life ain't half bad after you go into that one. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I never really thought about the fact that we were right next to that Walmart. It's um, it's a depressing place mm, yeah. for sure. What's not depressing is the bat around, and the bat around today is brought to you by... The FanDuel Sportsbook Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Zach, good morning. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm a little low now. There we go. Doing I thought you right. said I'm a little alone, alone Hold now. Hold up. Hold up. we got to get the sound right. There we you go. There it is. Alone. There it is. You know, when I come in every day, they have the sound way turned down to it's every like zero. Day. So Not every Saturday. E- every Saturday. Every day. So we're trying to get that right. So I think we got it. I think we got it. I think we sound good. I think we, I think we sound good. So let me tell you, last night was an eventful night for me. And I oh, know right, right, right. Okay. I know this is a baseball show, and we're going to get into baseball. We're going to get into, into all the baseballing going on. But last night, I worked. And yeah, yeah. last night was an incredibly lucrative night okay. for me. Um, but I was there very late. I didn't get out of work till after midnight. I'm going to say after midnight. It was like 12.04 as I was finally driving back to my home. And I call my wife. She was out of the friend's uh, birthday party. Okay. And my wife is sick. Okay. She has... The, she doesn't have COVID. She took a COVID test. She does not have COVID. She has flu-like symptoms. She's been coughing. She's been sneezing. She didn't really want to do anything yesterday, but it's her friend's birthday, and I believe she missed last year, maybe even the year before. Okay. So she, she went out for it. And it looked like she had a good time, but when I, when I called her, she didn't sound good. And she said she felt miserable. Um, she was like, and I still got to take Bruce out. Bruce had been in the crate since about 6.45 last night. And at this point, it's a little after 12. It's like t- 10 after 12 at this point. And I say, all right, well, look, let me stop by the by the store. I'll pick you up some DayQuil and some Ny- some NyQuil. And when I just don't worry about Bruce. When I get home, I will let Bruce out. 
think not thinking about the fact that Bruce has been in the crate about five and a half hours mm-hmm. now. And he's probably going back in the crate pretty soon after I take him out to go to bed for the night. So I get home, and Bruce is like, he starts to, to whine and cry a little bit because he knows I'm home. He's like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm breaking free of this joint. So I come in, and Bruce sees me, and he just looks at me like, hey, it's Dad. And I say, hey, hang on, buddy. I got to go give mom medicine. As soon as I start to walk up the stairs, Bruce loses his ever-loving mind. I mean, barking at a pitch I've never heard before. He's freak- okay. He's freaking out. He's thinking, oh, God, they're leaving me in here. What am I going to do? I go upstairs. I give my wife her medicine. I go into the bathroom for a second. And then I come out. I come downstairs. And I'm like, Bruce, it's okay, buddy. I got you. I open the crate. He comes out, and he has the zoomies. Right, he starts sprinting around the kitchen table, back and forth in the living yeah. room, right, and the kitchen. He slurps up a ton of water, and then he notices the Roomba. Bruce hates the Roomba. The Roomba starts going off at about eleven o'clock every night to vacuum. Up. He's a puppy, and he's a lab. He sheds. There's hair all over the place. We have, um, I guess, linoleum floors. It's not actual hardwood. It's fake hardwood. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. The Roomba goes every night for like an hour and a half, and I feel so... I don't want it to, but th- what's the other choice? We're just going to stand there and vacuum all day, every day. So the Roomba goes for an hour and a half, and it just bothers him. He, he can't sleep with it on, and I, I think he's scared of it. Well, he goes into the living room, and he's... I'm trying to... I'm chasing him, by the way, trying to get his harness on so I can take him outside before he pees all over the house. And the Roomba is in the living room, and he starts freaking out. He starts pouncing at it. He starts barking at it. He starts jumping at it. So I grab it. The Roomba breaks apart in my hand because I grabbed it by the lint by the lint trap or whatever, whatever the okay. hell the thing is, okay. like, uh, right? And it hits the ground. So I pick it up. Bruce is still freaking out. I finally get him to lay down on his bed that we have in the living room. Yeah. And he looks at me and throws up all over my legs. Wow. Just bleh, all over the place. You still got some remnants of it on your leg. I can see yeah, it down there. It, yeah. So, and this is, at, at this point, it's about 1230. And I'm like, oh my God. I have to take him outside before he pees on the floor and convolutes mm-hmm. this whole mess, mm-hmm. right? Laura's upstairs. She's sick. I'm like, babe, can you please come down here and help me for a second? She's throwing up. Oh. So, Bruce is throwing up. My wife is throwing up. I've got a mess all over the floor. Oh. I've got to get this poor pup outside before he pees all over the floor because he hasn't peed yeah. since 6.30 at night, and now it's 12.30. Mm-hmm. So I I get him outside. He pees. I bring him back inside. I put him in the crate. This The vomit was all of his kibble that he ate, and it had expanded in his stomach. So it's all over the floor. I throw all these paper towels down. It sops up the liquid. Now I just have gross expanded kibble on the floor. Zach's getting grossed out over here. I mean, it's not a pleasant story. I'm not going to say Zach, it is. Well, I lived it, it's, so you all have to hear about okay. it. Okay. I then try to... It won't pick up. It won't scoop up off the ground. Every time I scoop it up with the paper towels, it falls back on the floor. I'm in this mess for easily 10 minutes after I took Bruce out, brought him back in, put him back in the crate, just trying to get the, the gross thrown-up kibble off the floor. I didn't finish... Ugh. I didn't finish... And then, and then you can't just... just wipe it up yeah. and leave it you've got to spray the solution down so that you can have no remnants of it on the floor yeah so first whatever little bit and when i say little bit i mean little, little little crummies here and there i vacuumed that up and then i spray the i spray it was he had 
walk to get water after he threw up. So there are remnants of throw up from the kitchen to the living room. Mm. And so I have to spray and get on my hands and knees and wipe this up. By the time I finally get everything done, it's about five after one. Okay. In the morning, I have to be here at nine a- at 10 a.m., uh, 9.45. Not to mention the fact that my wife is in bed sick. So who's getting up with Bruce at 6 o'clock in the morning when he starts barking? This guy. And on top of that, on top of that, I hadn't done my notes yet for the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're talking 105. I finally get upstairs into the home office to sit down and do my notes for the show. Thank God I already had a, a huge idea of what I wanted to do for the show today. Because the, the, the everything just came out of me. It was like it was like when you're writing a paper the night before it's due. Everything also came out of Bruce. Everything uh, and my wife apparently. <laughs> Jeez. Just a, a lot of money last night at work. Way too late. Sick dog. Sick wife. No sleep. Wow. But here we are. I feel like I'm getting sick now just from hearing the story. Yeah. Well, I, I feel that way every time I look across Whew. the table at you. Oh, I, I appreciate that. That's a mean thing to say. I'm just joking. Jackson, I, I, pre- I, I appreciate He looks like that. a tennis player. I, I mean, like I, I don't really agree, but. You don't Conversation know. for a different day. You don't know. Conversation don't know. for a different day. Anyway, hello. Welcome to the batter round. Um, Orioles. All right. Oh, we know that they didn't do much at the winter meetings, right? They, they signed Nomar Mazzara, right? Yeah. And apparently they put out a bunch of non-competitive offers. At least it would seem that way because all the pitchers we thought they were in on have since signed with all the other teams. Chris Bassett signed with Toronto this past week, which yep. was like disgusting for all of us here in Baltimore, especially when you look at it, the fact that it was three years, $63 million. That's a doable deal. That, to me, oh, yeah. that, to oh, me yeah. that's a doable deal. Rodon signed six years, $162 million with the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. The, that's not a doable deal. It should be. The, the Orioles have the money to do that, but we all know that that's not a doable deal here in Baltimore, especially with a guy who has a history of injury. He's very good. He's arguably oh. one of the top five pitchers in the game right now, the top strikeout pitcher in the game right now. Yeah. He goes to the Yankees. The rich get richer, but I think they still need... Well, their pitching staff is going to be right. Really uh, frankly, I think that they got a bargain for Odon. I mean, six years, hundred sixty-two million. That's a pretty good deal. Like that, I mean, I, that's twenty-seven I, million a year yeah, for, I, for the best strikeout pitcher in the right. game. A guy. Okay. I mean, if you take his the beginning of his career with the injuries and him kind of taking a little bit to mature and become the pitcher that was drafted the first round. I mean, this is a guy who was a, a six overall pick at one point. It took him a little bit to get to where he always expected to be, but then when he got there, he became really good. It's not like he became a, a four ERA pitcher. He became a two and a half. That's a that's a big difference there. This guy deserved the money he got, but I almost think the Yankees got a bargain there. I think that's very fair for a guy who really has proven himself for the last two years, and you can kind of count on as a two or three in the next, you know, behind Garrett Cole for the next four years. And he's Dude, if be you look at the numbers, at least he's, he's, to you. he's better than Garrett Cole. He probably is better you, than you Garrett Cole. You look at the numbers, yeah. he's better than Garrett Cole. But I, I would argue that pitching in Yankee Stadium will be tougher for him. It definitely yes. will. Be. Oh, it will. As it has for, been for, for sure. Garrett, as it has been for Garrett Cole. I mean, Garrett Cole with the with the Pirates was one of the best pitchers we've seen in a long with time. With the Astros, was um, one of the best with the Astros pitchers. as well, he was really good in both places. When he got to New York, his numbers fell off a little bit because yeah. of Yankee Stadium, because of the pressure of New York. There's definitely that effect on everybody. I mean, look at Randy Johnson. We always talk about that. I think the same effect will happen to Rodon to some extent. Had Tyon signed by the t- before we done? He was in the winter meetings. Yeah, he signed during the winter yeah. meetings. Are you sure? I'm almost 100%. I remember being in the lobby of the hotel when I read it. I, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. So, Tyon goes to the Cubs. That, that was a doable deal. Uh, Taiwan Walker, yeah. where, where did he go? Walker is a Philly. 
Walker went to the Phillies on a doable deal. Yeah. Uh, Bassett goes to Toronto. Like, not only did you not get him, but he went to Toronto, yeah. Yeah. who just whooped your ass last year, the second half of the season. And you watch him go, you watch him go there, and, and your only move so far for a starting pitcher is Kyle Gibson. Yeah. And look, we're going to talk about this in depth later, because there's been a bit, a bit of a mis, uh, misconception that I and others believe that the sky is falling, and I want to clear some air there with in, in Orioles banter about this team and what we can expect from them in 2023. Yeah. Um, but it, it stings. If you honestly believed that the Orioles were ever in on Carlos Rodon, what were you thinking? That was never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, when, when the last first made the made, made the liftoff comments, and then in November, at the beginning of November at the GM meetings, when he said we're going to be active early and often, we're, we plan to add significantly, yeah. maybe then. But then as soon as you watch, Rodon still to me was a pipe dream, and then as soon as you watch what happened, what transpired in the winter meetings, when DeGrom signed, when Verlander signed, he, you knew, you had to know that, mm-hmm. that, that he was already priced out of the Orioles market. Well, right. I mean, I I think there was interest there. And John Heyman reported that. I think John Morosi reported that. There were a number of guys who did. But there's such a difference. We talk about this again, that there's a difference between interest and actually going out and trying to sign a guy. And even if the Orioles did that, say they went out and offered him $140 million, which they obviously didn't, but say they did, they would get outbid every time. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants probably, who were still in on him before Correa. These teams are going to outbid the Orioles yeah. nine times, probably 9.9 times out of 10. So it's it's a tough market for the Orioles to find guys like that. And they're not in that market yet, we don't think. Maybe they had interest, but there's a really big difference well, in actually trying to go for them. I liken the Orioles' interest in Carlos Rodon to 20-something-year-old Paul Valley's interest in Jessica Biel. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have interest. Pretty much. But Justin Timberlake's <laughs> going to outbid me every single time. Correct. Right. Right. All right. He's the, Justin Timberlake's the big market team in this in this he's, analogy. Ju- yeah. Ju- ju- <laughs> Justin he's the Timberlake's team. the New York Yankees, yeah. and Paul Valley is the lowly Baltimore Orioles. Now, look, the Orioles, the moves that they've made, they signed Kyle Gibson for ten million dollars for one year. He's a nice back end guy. It's. It's he has, fine. And, and he has an opportunity to bounce back with a good defense behind yeah. him in a bigger ballpark and a and a pitching a pitching coaching staff mm-hmm. that helped a lot of guys have career years last year. Yeah. So I'm not gonna sit here and th- and say I think Kyle Gibson is gonna come and pitch to a five oh five year. I think he's gonna be good yeah. for the Orioles. Adam Frazier, they add him a couple of days ago. Oh. One year, eight million dollars. This is a guy, he 31 years old, slash 238, 301, 311 last season. A yeah. really bad year by any by any standards, right? But he's a 273, 336, 392 slash line for his career. Mm-hmm. Was an all-star in 2021. He's a good player. I look at Gibson and Adam Frazier as complementary players to the bigger fish that you catch. And yeah. But right now they are the big fish for the Orioles. Well, I I guess when you look at both these guys, my first thought was Gib- with Gibson especially is they must have seen something in him that they think they can make him into that 2021 well, yeah. model. I mean, they have to find that, and I don't know what that is. I haven't looked into his numbers, um, especially as far as TrackMan goes and as far as StatCast goes, to 
uh, too deeply, uh, but I would assume there's something that makes it look like he's going to have a rebound year and be really good. I would assume there's something along those lines. And you heard Adam Frazier say it when he talked about Michael Elias yesterday that they present plans to these free agents. They bring up PowerPoints. I'm sure all the teams do this in some respect, but the Orioles basically tell you how they're going to make you better, and they tell you what the plan you're going to be on is. And I like that philosophy a lot, but you're right. These are, at this point, the big fish for them. These are the guys they're trying to turn around and turn them into their 2021 selves. Mm-hmm. If that works, is obviously too, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, th- I think they're these guys have track records. These guys have proven success. They just didn't do it in 2022. And maybe that's why the Orioles were able to get them for 18 combined million dollars. I mean, it's that's a possibility to me. But there definitely is upside to both these signings. They're just not the big fish you may have wanted. Yeah, and look, it's the middle of December, guys. We haven't even hit Christmas yet. You still have just about two months till spring training, but also only Mm -hmm. two months till spring training, which is exciting when you, like, it's moving pretty quickly. It It always always does. It always always goes. It always does. Um, So there's still something to be done. I just don't know how much they're going to do. Right, right. And the writing's kind of on the wall that, and even Dan Conley uh, for The Athletic, Mm -hmm. who's been on the show a few times, Sure, he wrote about it, that... He there was a there was a big Q and A with him for an hour the other day, um, on the athletic, and he said that this is probably it yeah. for the Orioles. So that he yeah. doesn't he doesn't anticipate another signing. Now, what a lot of fans have been talking about is a trade. I'm look, I already got burned this offseason. <laughs> I believed them when they I believed Mike Elias when he said they were going to add significantly, and you know what he did. He added significantly to this payroll. $18 million is not a small number. Eight, yeah. Well, it is. But when you look at what their payroll was last year, $18 million is a significant number for the Baltimore yeah. Orioles compared to the, for the 2023 Orioles, Orioles compared to the 2022 Orioles. So, yeah, he significantly added to the Major League yeah. roster. Yeah. Having said that, this ain't what we wanted. I mean, not wanted. This this isn't what we what we had in mind. Yeah. Uh, not when when you say we're adding significantly, and I I, I I hate to keep using the phrase when you say lift off. And I know he's clarified. Might have his to retire the phrase at this point. Uh, it, it means it, nothing. It it, it, it means nothing, but it's hard to because it's yeah. you, people are going to come back, to, especially. If the Orioles struggle, if they take a step back in 2023, that word is going to be plastered everywhere. Well, not only that, but you look at the 2023 offseason and what's coming up next year. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be where you should see the liftoff, really. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing the liftoff right now, but you're not seeing it reach its highest altitude. But didn't we say that last year about this year? I mean, I guess we did. But and the year before that about last year? We're not running the team. We're not. So we, we don't have that decision. We, we can't make that. Mike Elias, I believe, was referring to future off seasons as when they're going to reach their highest altitude and when they're going to start to make these bigger moves. Maybe Adam Frazier isn't a guy who gets you excited, but he's still a piece. And I do, I do want to kind of put my case out there for Adam Frazier. I already put it out on Twitter, but I know we're going to talk about the Orioles banter a little bit later, but I, I think what he means by that, and we talked about this again, that when they reach the highest altitude, they'll get those guys. They'll get the bigger fish and at least try for them. They'll mm-hmm. make an effort. But right now that effort just isn't there and yeah. they're, they're taking off still. Yeah. And and that, and like like Zach and I have said, we're going to talk about this in Orioles banter here a little bit later in the show today. Um, but what I come back to is if this is what Mike Elias meant, I feel like this is what he would have said. Yeah, he's not stupid, so I can't imagine that he would have said this and had no idea what impact it was going to have on the fan base. Right? What I believe happened is that he was told, yes, you can go spend some money this offseason. Mm-hmm. 
and his idea of spending money and John Angelos' idea of, right. of spending money was different. That's exactly what I think happened. I think it yeah. was Elias was like, hey, I can get Rodon for five years, $150 million. And he was like, how about you get Kyle Gibson for one year, <laughs> right. $10 million? Right. Yeah. I, I, I legitimately, maybe not that exact scenario, almost certainly not that exact scenario, but I guarantee that Mike Elias took something to John Angelos just yeah. to get the okay, and Angelos was like, no. No. Do you know what? We're in litigation. I'm in litigation with yeah. my brother. We're trying to sell the team. We've got the mass in dispute. I don't know up from down right now. I'm just trying right. to stay afloat. No. Do what you have to do to make this the to make this team better without breaking yeah. the bank. It's like the conversation that Brad Pitt has at the beginning of Moneyball. Hmm. Yeah. With, with, right. with his GM. Like, I don't have the money to give you, man. Figure it out. I, I have faith in you. Mm-hmm. Th- I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's very possible. I... It's also, it could have been changed up on him, where Angelo said in August or September, whenever Elias made the liftoff comment and said, hey, you know, we're going to let you spend money. But then maybe Elias didn't also take it the right way. Maybe he took it as, hey, I'm going to spend $100 million, not $18 million. Maybe mm-hmm. he took it as Angelo's meant, we're going to go from zero to 100 instead of zero to 50. You know what I mean? I, I think there's that definite possibility there that he misinterpreted. Because again, you, Elias is a very smart guy, an incredibly intelligent guy. He I went to Yale. I, he did. He went to Yale. Um, he's not a guy who is going to make those kind of mistakes very often. I still believe that the liftoff comment was him actually saying that, meaning they were going to spend real money. And, and again, yeah. $18 million's fine, but I'm talking $100 million the, where, or where, $70 million or where, something along where, those lines. Where um, the, the liftoff... I think he would have so, been more careful. Is I, my I, entire I, point. I, I think he would have exactly. I think he would have been more careful too if he knew that he could only yeah. spend the money that he spent so far. If right. even if he had fifty or sixty million, you can get two really good players, three mm-hmm. really good players for that kind of money. Yeah. I, I I have to believe that his idea of spending money and the Angelos' idea of spending money were two very v- different very different. Things. They had to be. Um, but there's also the other side of it, and I'm not going to spoil it. We're going to get to it in the Orioles banter. And, it, and when you look at it from the way that we're going to dissect it, it makes sense. And it's no, it's, it's, it's not, you know, what, what, what's the word? Um, it's not water-toting. I'm not, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not, you know, carrying the Orioles water here, okay? But it, it is being realistic and understanding baseball and understanding everything that Mike Elias has done to this point. Yeah. And what the next realis- realistic step is. Well, I think what people forget, and it's kind of what I've seen on Twitter over the past few weeks is that even though you're adding guys like Frazier and Gibson, they're not the big fish. Yes, I get it. They're not the Rodons. They're not the judges. They're not the I guys want you to be, you, be, be careful about what you say because I want you to steal thunder from the segment. Right, okay. But my, my point, just to go off of what you said, every guy in some way, for the most part, can add value to your team. You know, if it was Rugno Dodor turning a double play and everyone said, wow, he did that really well. He did that better than anyone else. That's adding value in one way that can and, make your team better. Adam every Fra- guy can do that. Adam Frazier is going to do that, but he's also going to be a better hitter. Yes. Even even yes. in his the worst year of his career last yep. year, he was a better hitter than Ruth Nettendor. And significantly. Significantly. Yeah. So, look, we're going to get into all this later in the show in Orioles banter. We do have Andy Kotzka coming up from um, uh, the Baltimore Banner here at 11.05. Stan the Fan Charles is joining us in just a matter of minutes. Uh, so we're going to get into all of this. Uh, found it interesting. Paul Mancano um, tweeted about this last night. Somebody asked me about it. I said, no, he's washed. Um, but the Orioles need something. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Hosmer. 
was DFA'd by the Red Sox last night, which means that if he's picked up by another team, they can pay him the league minimum, mm-hmm. and the Red Sox have to pay because he he, he uh, opted in yeah. on his contract, so they owe him like ten like I think it's like seventeen million. Aren't or the something. Padres paying him though? I thought the Padres no, are the paying Pod- the entire the pa- contract. Are they? I believe they well, are. So, okay, well then somebody's uh, yeah. I, that would make sense then. He's being paid by somebody else. So you can it's, sign it's him. Padres for the. Uh, I think they. I don't think they pay if he, if, if he opts back in. That that's probably true. That's probably because true. Because they but, they probably paid his, his contract for the rest of last year, and the and the Red Sox only had to pay him the the prorated uh, version of the minimum. But if he opts in, because he could either opt out or opt in, and he knows who mm, he is. Sure, he opted in because he's not getting that money on the on the open market. So I think that if he opted in, the Red Sox by DFAing him now have to pay him, and he can sign at, as for the league minimum someplace else. But look right. into that for me because okay. I'm not sure. Would you have any interest? In Eric Hosmer, who's an elite defender at first base, he's, he's a left-handed hitter. He's got decent pop at this point. He's a and for his career, two seventy-seven, three thirty-six, four twenty-eight mm-hmm. slash line. Is there any interest if he's not your every, he's not he's not going to be an everyday player. He's not going to be your everyday DH, but he's a guy who can play a few times a week as a DH and as a first baseman. So real quick, this is from MLB.com. Uh, Hosmer was acquired from the Padres last August at the trade deadline in a deal for former first-round pick Jay Groom. As part of the deal, San Diego had agreed to pay the majority of the forty-four million left on Hosmer's contract through twenty twenty-five, leaving Boston to pay the league minimum. So that oh. was that's what MLB.com says. So whoever's getting him, like you said, is basically getting the league minimum. So yeah. yes, absolutely I'm taking you, a flyer you, on that. You'd have interest. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. He was well, a one point one more player last year. Pe- for pe- a league minimum, it's not bad. And people keep saying that um no, I don't want I don't want Hosmer. I don't want you're not bringing Eric Hosmer in to take over for Ryan Mountcastle. No. You're bringing Eric Hosmer in to provide a left handed uh, bat off the bench to provide relief for Mountcastle once or twice a week when yep. Ma- went to get Mountcastle off his feet. And the DH. The same role that uh, his name is escaping me right now, but the backup first baseman they signed from the Marlins last year and that, that he played about 20 oh, games for them. Jesus Aguilar. Jesus Aguilar, Jesus exactly. Aguilar played a little bit more than he probably should have. He probably did, but Eric Hosmer would take that role. Yeah. but I mean, Eric Hosmer is a guy who you'd look up and he has 100, and 100 games under his belt at the end of the season. and Yep. I, Easily, and, and if he does that and he hits 270 with 12 home runs in those 100 games, mm-hmm. that's something that that is fine. It it, yeah. w- it gives you a better bench option. You're looking at somebody that you're basically replacing Tyler Nevin with yeah. at this point. It gives you a better bench option than Tyler Nevin. The question is, now look, it, it, they, you have to put in a waiver claim. Where do the Orioles fall on the waiver wire? And does Eric Hosmer is he okay with going someplace where he's not an everyday player? Does he, yeah. Does he, he knows who he is obviously by opting in, but does he know who he really is, and to know not to expect to be an everyday player at this point in his career? I think he has to, right? I mean, the numbers haven't really been there for him. They and they weren't bad at Boston actually. He was okay. He was good enough. Um, no home runs, four RBIs. Yeah, I mean, limited games though. I think he played 16, 14, something. No, he played more than that. He played um, more than that. It wasn't a lot, but he he didn't really have a lot of a chance. Um, but the numbers he did put up, I, I wouldn't say they were awful. Um, but he hasn't been the same guy he was in Kansas City. He just really hasn't been. He had, um, a, he had a good year in 2019. He was okay. 20, 27 home runs, 99 but, RBIs. But the, the elite defense is definitely part of the value of Eric Hosmer. And I, I talked about just a minute ago with every guy can bring value to a roster in some way. And I think that would be the value the Orioles see in him, but also having that left-handed bat in a lineup that's frankly pretty full of righties. And that's oh, part you're, of the you're, reason. You're right. He, d- he only played 14, 14 games, games yeah. for, for Boston. So the numbers are kind of limited there yeah. as far as what we can take from it. But I think that 
he hasn't really proved himself to be a, a good and productive player for a little while. But that's not what the Orioles would be looking for. He's yeah, not it, taking over for Malcastle. You're looking for somebody that can be a bench player for you. Zach's going to get Stan the fan on the line. Uh, fans have been talking about um, that they think that there's a trade coming for a starting pitcher. I'm not holding my breath because I think that the only team that you're really thinking about trading with is the Florida, uh, Florida the Miami Marlins. And the Marlins want Major League outfielders or Major League ready outfielders. Michael Elias already said he's not big into trading Major League talent for Major League talent from this roster. And you're going to have to get rid of Santander or Cedric Mullins to get one of those pitchers. Hayes, his value is at an all-time low. You're not getting a starting pitcher for Austin Hayes. You're not trading Colton Kalzer. You're not trading Heston Kerstad. So who are you really willing to give up to get one of these starting pitchers? Because they're not just going to give them to you for Austin Hayes or Kyle Stowers. That's not going to happen. Um, so we're going to talk about that in a, in a little bit here with our next guest. Uh, our next guest is brought to you by Chick-fil-A Catering. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Joining us now on the line for his weekly segment is Stan the Fan. Charles Stan, good morning. Can you tell your family that you finally made it after 40 plus years in Baltimore sports? You, have, you are sponsored by Chick-fil-A. Oh my God. So proud. So I, proud. My parents would be so proud if they were alive. You know, Chick-fil-A is a legitimate corporation, so... Um, no, they really are. They're good, they're good folks. They, they, and they, boy, those chicken... Those chicken tender platters are just, I mean, they're outrageous. They are absolutely outrageous. phenomenal. Zach got a uh, yeah. free chicken sandwich meal from me last week from a friend of mine who sure runs did. a couple of Chick-fil-A's. So, yeah, you're welcome, awesome. Zach. Thank uh, you, Paul. So, was, one of those friends, was one of those friends Rich Hill? Rich Hill! <laughs> the yeah, old <clears throat> one of those friends that brought Rich Hill is now running Chick-fil-A. Yeah, well, yeah. In, in his spare time in the office. I thought he might be delivering for, for you. Well, well, Stan, he's one He's one of the older guys in the league, and I think back when he was a rookie, you know, that was back when players still had to have jobs in the offseason to make ends meet. So it makes sense that he would be delivering for, for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> uh, any legitimacy in your eyes that the Orioles are looking in on him or Michael Waka at this point for their rotation? Yeah, I would think that they, they both kind of fit what the Orioles are looking at. Uh, Rich Hill... Through 124 innings last year, and again we make it clear that the Orioles have not signed Rich Hill yet. But uh, it's it's uh, on MLB trade rumors that they have some interest in him. He's uh, been around the block or two. You know, he was. It's hard to believe it's all the way back in 2009 that he first pitched for the Orioles. Mm -hmm. uh, his first team was the Cubs, and he was uh, affiliated with uh, Andy McPhail when Andy was with the Cubs. Uh, and then when Andy came here, he uh, picked him up, and he uh, had a so-so season back in '09. Made uh, 13 starts, only threw 57 two-third innings. But he went on from here to have a couple of nice seasons uh, with Boston and the Dodgers. And he's, you know, he's certainly a, a journeyman, and he's a guy that can keep you in some games. As recently as 2021, he uh, had. 31 starts and threw 158 innings. Uh, last year, he had 26 starts and threw 124 innings. And again, 
if you add up the totality of what the Orioles have in the way of starting, uh, there's a lot of upside in some of these younger guys like Dean Kramer and um, Kyle Bradish and, of course, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, mm-hmm. But some of them are going to be sort of on innings counts, you know, yeah. where you're, you don't want them to get too far down the road. So having a veteran like this might make sense. And I'm sure if you look at what what they've done, you know, you'd be looking at a one-year contract probably in the $5 million range, $4 million to $5 million range, uh, whereas Waka still may command. I'd rather have Waka probably, but Waka would probably command a two-year, $20, $22 million investment. And I think the club is much more comfortable sort of gauging what they have. You know, let, let's say – uh, I totally disagree with your assumption that D.L. Hall can be a frontline starter, but I've been wrong before, and if he is, you, you probably don't need a Michael Waka for two years. Yeah. And when the team is really ready to contend um, for a championship, that's when you could go out and get somebody uh, of a higher level than Rich Hill. But there's no question Rich Hill can can keep you in ball games. you know. No question about it. Yeah, no, he, he can keep you in ball games. Michael Watt can keep you in ball games. What I haven't heard anybody talk about, uh, Stan, and he intends to pitch this year, is Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke has made 26 starts or more in 14 consecutive full seasons. He's only had one really bad year in his career. He had a sub. He had like a 3.63 ERA last year. He's a bit of a soft tosser, but he's got that pitch ability. He knows how to pitch. Why are they not kicking the tires on a guy like Granke, who, in my opinion, he's been there, he's done that, and he's got that veteran. Maybe he's not. Maybe his personality isn't a veteran leadership, but he could lead by example. Why have they not even been linked to him? My gut feeling is I remember him being linked with Kansas City much earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, that he was going to have a return there. Maybe kind of teams just think they're – helping him up the ante a little bit or something Maybe. like that, that he, that he has no interest in pitching anywhere but Kansas City or maybe going back for one year to a team like the Dodgers or the Mets or something like that. Um, that's, that's the only reason I wouldn't really be displaying a lot of interest and have a feeling you haven't heard him attached to other teams is because he's either going back to Kansas City where he's going back to one of the top teams. Well, yeah. I, I thought I had heard that he... I, I, would they, certainly ha- I would certainly have interest in Zach Greinke's one-year deal. Definitely. See, I thought I had heard earlier in the offseason that he had re-signed with Kansas City. So when I saw his name still out there earlier this week, I was like, I thought he went to Kansas City and he hasn't. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's because he's been linked to them so much that that's, that's just the assumption people don't want to drive up. He might, be, he might be giving them the courtesy of, of not having to make a roster decision until March or something like gotcha. you know or Maybe. February you know that's yeah. that's just my gut feeling because it seemed back in like November it was a fait accompli that they were going to get him back he'd shown interest in a one year deal there so I'm not really sure but he would he would fit in a lot of places you know what I mean I mean uh, he could yeah. fit for the Dodgers he could fit for the Angels uh, on the left coast. Um, you know, he, he's uh, so you know, apparently Ken Rosenthal said not that long ago, like a day or so ago, yeah. that they had interest in bringing him back. Kansas City did, so that could happen. Yeah, definitely. 
that that's what was written back in November, yeah. and it seemed like it was a fait accompli. Yeah. But you never did see that thing. Notice that hey, he's back, and I have a feeling it's probably due to roster configuration. You're, you're probably you know? right. You're mm-hmm. probably right. And honestly, it makes sense for a guy like Zach Granke to go to an up and coming team like the, like the Royals or the Orioles or insert up-and-coming team here. It, it, it would make sense for him to do that because I don't think that he would be... He'd be more of the guy in one of those places. I don't think... I think he'd just be a role player if he went to the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Astros at this point in his career. So, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, the Orioles did add Adam Frazier on a one-year deal worth $8 million. He said the opportunity to play every day is why he, one of the reasons that he signed here. Uh, Stan, last year, the 31-year-old infielder hit uh, slash 238, 301, 311. But he's got a 273, 336, 392 slash line for his career. He doesn't strike out a lot, but he also doesn't walk a lot. Uh, we've seen this before, Stan, where, where guys are brought in. We're trying to, we're hoping that we can bank on what they've been in the past and not what they were the the, the previous season. Why should we believe that last year was the outlier and not what's going to now be the norm for Adam Frazier? Well, I happened to hear uh, was listening to MLB radio, you know, XM on the XM dial in the morning show yesterday mm-hmm. um, as I went uh, into the studio, and uh, I heard Eduardo Perez. He was very adamant that he will he will sort of revert back to his better numbers mm-hmm. that a lot of that a lot of players that go to the now this is what he said because didn't he have a really good half season with San Diego in twenty one yeah he he was an all star his numbers pretty good yeah he he had right, three hundred. But did he make the all-star team really from his National League? Well, he was in the National League with Pittsburgh and yes. uh, and San Diego. Uh, his assertion was that he thinks he'll he'll revert back to pretty much what he is, which is like a two seventy hitter. That uh, it's just a lot of players that get a, uh, get to the West Coast they they revert they revert back. To their better selves when they come back east. Why? Now, why do you I think that really, is? Uh, probably time zone. You know, you play most of your games in your time zone, or you have in the past. Now it's going to be spread out some. Uh, he was very adamant that he thinks he's a a rebound candidate. You know that he'll 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 most likely be much more of the three thirty five on base percentage. And if you remember what we talked about with Jake Cave, you you generally when you when you start to try and improve on base percentage as a team, you hope that some of the players you have are going to elevate their games. And again, the Orioles that are three oh five on base percentage as mm-hmm. a team, and you look at Mountcastle and Hayes, that's really where they are. And it was really weighed down by Odor and Mateo. With Mateo being uh, two eighty seven, two sixty seven, Odor like two sixty seven. Yeah. Then was it Odor that it was? What was Odor's uh, thing last? It year? was like two. He made on base percentage. I believe it was in the two seventies. Two seventy. It wasn't they high, both, regardless. They, they both dragged down, uh, you know, significantly what the team could have been. Yeah. And you really need to be. You really need to be minimally at like three fifteen. You know, to, to be a team that can to, that can really win some ball games. Yeah, two seventy five. You don't you don't generally do that with just 
picking up Barry Bonds, you know, and go, oh, well, right. now our own base percent. You have to pick it up incrementally. And you may remember I mentioned this with Jake Cave, that Jake Cave at least was like sort of a career 315, 320, sure. which is significant, you know, and this uh, Adam Frazier had those three years in Pittsburgh. You know, he's not that far removed from those years where he was more like a 355, 360 on base percentage yeah. guy, you know. Uh, and a 270 average. Um, I love the versatility. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you where he, it shows that he hasn't ever played a game at first base. I think that th- this is uh, sort of like on the line for uh, Mr. Mountcastle. Um, it's the first like little chink in the armor that they feel that they need a little protection there. Because, look, they're going to have a potential glut of second base shortstop candidates mm-hmm. this year, yeah, you know, with Westberg and um, and uh, Connor Norby, uh, Urias and Connor Norby, but you know, Urias is going to play a good bit too. Yeah. Um, but I, I like to pick up, you know, I mean, it's not a world beater, uh, you know. I would have rather they signed Michael Conforto or something like that, but uh, they're not at that position yet. And there is, there really isn't a great reason to sign somebody like Comforto and be paying him a premium price uh, when we don't know whether he'll be, you know, sufficiently healed this this first year back from a shoulder injury, you know, significant uh, shoulder surgery. The, the the thing for me, Stan, is, <clears throat> and you mentioned Urias, he. Hit 16 home runs last year. He played Gold Glove defensive third base. He had zero errors in the games he played at second base. He was more than a three and a half win player, mm-hmm. according to Baseball Reference. And now, I mean, unless he's going to go play third base and you're going to trade or trade Mateo or make him a utility guy, moves Gunnar Henderson over to shortstop. Now, Orias isn't even an everyday player anymore because he's going to be split in time. He en- maybe he ends up being an everyday player because of the, all the v- versatility that he has, ends up playing five days a week at all three different spots. But I just feel like you have a guy that can already play really good defense at second base who just won a gold glove at a different position, but nonetheless a gold glove. Was there really that need? I get that he's left-handed and gets on base, but to me, it was... I think that I think that's that's the and his and his his flexibility and ability to play the outfield corners, and and in my opinion, play a little first base if need be. Uh, and he is a left-handed bat, you know. Yeah. And let's let's not kid ourselves too with Urias. He he is a guy that has shown a, um, a sort of a, 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 a pension. For the pension means you want to do it, but uh, he gets hurt a fair amount. He, yeah, he's not a guy that true. I feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable penciling him in and saying, "Hey, we know we got him for 140 games." I think he keep he keeps the uh, Henderson and Mateo fresh, you know, and can move to the outfield corners. and And I think we'll see him in first base on several occasions this year. Yeah. I think he'll play 15, 18 games at first base. There's gonna be there's gonna be opportunity uh, unless um, unless Mountcastle really lays the gauntlet down and says, "Hey, I want this job. I'm going to be a top flight major leaguer." You know, to me, he's he's on that precipice where you know he's going to start commanding a significant chunk of money yeah. uh, if you yeah. want to keep him, and he's got to produce at a higher level than he has. 
Yeah, and that brings me to my next yeah. guy, and that's Eric Hosmer, DFA by the Red Sox last night. We talked about him on base, guys. He's got a career 277, 336, 428 slash line. The Orioles would only have to pay him the league minimum. Do they take a look at, at him? He's a left-handed back and back up at first base. I don't think he would be an everyday player for them, but do you think he's worth a flyer on? He's, he's worth talking to. Uh, there's no question about it. He'll probably, in my opinion, find a better situation for him Maybe mm-hmm. with like an an Oakland A's or something like that, Tampa Bay, something uh, like that, yeah. yeah, or Tampa Bay. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine that he has gotten so bad that nobody's going to pick him up. You know, and and give him significant playing time. He's an excellent defender. Uh, yeah, I think San Diego. You know, when are we going to call out AJ Preller? Boy, does he spend a lot of money yeah. for somebody else? You know. I mean, it's amazing what he uh, paid this guy. You know, he he didn't look like that type of player to me to to warrant that kind of money that he got from the Padres. He was you know, pretty he damn like, good in in Kansas City, and he had he was good yeah. in twenty nineteen in San Diego. But he he was never the player in San Diego that he was in Kansas City. Um, right. You right. know. The the I money just, that he I got, just, yeah, he I never he, he got he got giant money though. Yeah, know? he, he did. Words, I'm not saying I'm not saying he deserved to go to the minor leagues. Right, I'm just saying <clears throat> the money that Preller threw at him, and I get it when you're a when you're a bad team, you want to signal to people that hey, we're in we're in the we're back in the game, and that's sort of why he got that that first guy is important because you know if he wasn't there. The next year, they wouldn't have probably, you know, Machado probably wasn't going to be the first yeah. guy there. You, you know got to change the culture. I, I, I get it. Yeah, he, he was a guy to do that. Culture. I, I, I yeah. understand that. Yeah. And I do remember when so, I can't remember what the number was, but when he did get signed, I remember the reaction across baseball was that's a lot of money for Eric Hosmer. Yeah. I remember yeah. having that, that yeah. reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So getting him for the Orioles at you know seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Um, is he is he worth a flyer? I think he'd probably still be more valuable to the Orioles than say uh, Frankie Cordero or Nomar Mazzaro. You know, mm-hmm. um, the question is what's in his heart. You know, is he willing to be a part time player, or does he still envision himself being Eric Hosmer, the man? And a lot of times, um, in the but he's been humbled a great deal, I think, yeah. in the past. Year. And that's yeah. that's a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar league minimum question. Stan is uh, does he yep. does he yep. know who he is at this point? Yep. Um, yep. Now you you were you were talking about um, him. We've been talking about Adam Frazier, and I still think that the Orioles need to add a bat for the middle of their order. Your guy uh, Justin Turner is still out there. My question now, Stan, is with the with the addition of Adam Frazier. Do you does it kind of eliminate their them from being in the Justin Turner sweepstakes, or do you think they've eliminated themselves before? I don't think that I think they I don't think they're in the Justin Turner just because I say something and project something that I'd like to happen. Right, right. Uh, you know, doesn't mean it's so. And I'd be foolish to to say at this point. Well, I know they're talking to you know they're talking to. It doesn't look like they've had any interest in him mm-hmm. uh, whatsoever. I don't understand that. Um, you know, but again, uh, I would have, I would have rather been paying him like 11 million than Adam Frazier, 8 million. Yeah. You know? Do you think that they're going to yeah, add any, any other bats to this lineup? Or do you think that Frazier's basically it? I think Frazier's probably it, you know, I mean, I, I look, 
God, God love them if they do surprise us, you know, with a Michael Conforto or something like that. But I don't see it in the offing right now. I think, and and in fairness, they have so many moving parts in their young players that, and I and I and I get that Conforto. They wouldn't sign Conforto to a two year deal. They'd sign him to a one year deal or Turner. They weren't going to go and be bold and say, "Hey, we think Justin Turner has two years." of tread left on his tires, you know. Uh, but but it doesn't look like they're going to, and I can't really blame them with so many potential young fits that are homegrown, yeah. you know, right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Um, now, say I want to get back to... I mean, to- this, is a season, this is a season I think the fans ought to not pump their brakes on expectations because they certainly in Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson have a couple of players who could really take jumps up and Hayes and Mountcastle could take jumps up and all of a sudden you'd look like you have a fairly potent offense. But they, they giving young a couple of young players some opportunities during this season shouldn't be ruled out. I i.e. Kyle Stowers, Jordan Westberg, or maybe Connor Norby. Yeah, and I think that's what they're going to do. I, I honestly think that's yeah. what they're. And Zach and I are going to talk about that later in the show. I, I think that's exactly yeah. what they're, what they're going to do. Um, I wanna, and I, I, and I don't, look, I'd be excited if they signed Michael Conforto, but for where they are right now, I think looking at what they have really may be the important thing. As long as they don't take like a Detroit Tiger step backwards, like they did last year. You know. Yeah, that that would be that would be. Uh, can you imagine the head, the headlines around here if that were to be the case? Especially after that the would comments be made, it would be awful around these. It parts. would be brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit more about uh, the starting pitching part of this of this equation. Um, I think I don't know that they're going to add another starting pitcher. A lot of uh, fans on uh, the social media networks have been talking about they really believe that a trade is coming. I'm skeptical at this point, Stan. When you think about the fact that Mike Elias said at the winter meetings that he's not keen on trading big league talent for big league talent at this point and what it's going to take to get some of these pitchers, do you think that there is a trade in the works for this team or do you think that it's kind of status quo from here on out? Uh. The only team, and again, I don't have my my I haven't memorized every starting pitcher on every team. Mm-hmm. But you know, a team like Houston or my I'm not Houston, Arizona or Miami, if there was a deal to be had that included, say, Urias and Stower, you know, uh, maybe there's something that could be done there. You know, yeah. Um, otherwise, I don't I don't really see us doing anything gigantic in the trade market. Yeah, you know, I, I, I still love I still love my guy uh, Jesus Lazardo, but if if Paco Lopez was available from Miami and you had to give up Urias and maybe a young player, uh, is he worth it? I haven't I haven't looked at his numbers carefully enough. Zach, I'm sure and you, I'm sure Paul I have a better idea on whether he's worth it. I know I, I think would he absolutely do would be. Pablo Lopez? Yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. That, that overall, Trevor Rogers and Jesus Lazardo are both, they, they both have more upside. But when you look at Pablo mm-hmm. Lopez, he's been the most consistent. 
He's the guy who's gone out there for four years in a row now and pitched to a three and mm-hmm. a half ERA. He's the guy yeah. who is dependable at this point. Lazardo finally burst onto the scene last year and was really good. Trevor Rogers was really good in 2021 and fell off last year, but still has that talent there. You're not worrying about that with Lopez. You know that's a guy you're slotting in as your number two or your number three, and he's going to take off. You know, so right. the other guys right. have more upside, but he's Mister Consistency. Yeah. Uh, Stan, before- I would say that the I'd say my that deal with Miami uh, is is a possibility, Definitely. but that would be about it. And I think they're going to accomplish that probably through a deal for a deal with like a Rich Hill. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll certainly yeah. see. I don't know if they're done yeah. again. It's only mid December. I don't know. I, yeah. I we we've been around this game too long, Stan, to think that that, that this is it. You know, there's there's probably yeah. a little bit more coming. Before we let you so. go, Stan, um, a lot of fans have are kind of on the ledge. How can you talk these fans off the ledge? Because it, it, it seems like there's a lot of doom and gloom around this team right now because of what they haven't done to this point. Well, you're talking about the redefining the word liftoff? Yeah, and we don't necessarily... Is that what you're... Yeah, yeah without saying as much. Yeah, I mean, but, I, never took, I never took Mike Elias, uh, you know, as literal as uh, I think you did, Paul, on, on the term liftoff, you know, and there's a lot of people that did take it literally. That, like, it meant... I think it meant that we're moving... What he meant to say was we're moving forward and we've got a lot of talent inside. It wasn't like we're moving forward because I'm I've got the freedom now to go out and spend three hundred million dollars this offseason. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't gonna happen with the Orioles I, as they're presently constituted. I didn't know? think that was ever happening. I didn't think any of those guys yeah. in the first tier was ever happening. I thought that it meant right. something like Chris Bassett and maybe like Brandon Nimmo. That was like at the and I thought that that was yeah, at the I, very top yeah. of what they could do. I never right. thought I that. I didn't see. I didn't see the Nemo thing happening at all. Yeah. I did think they. I did think they might put their seeds in into one big arm, you know. And it looks like what they've done or planned to do all along is have two marginal one-year guys, you know, that bridge you the season where you got to figure out which you and I are in total disagreement on on DL Hall, but you think he can still be a really uh, uh, really kind of top mid-level or above starting pitcher. I, I don't I, see it I believe in he can be any nice. body of his work. Okay. I don't see it. I don't see it. No. Uh, but but th- that's that's neither here nor there whether we, you know, one of us is going to be right, you know. I'm still saying that he, I think he can be a sensational piece of a bullpen. I don't see the command or the presence or anything that says to me he's going to be an ace. So yeah. I don't. He's but, really, but still I really Rodriguez, young. I still think Rodriguez can, um, and uh, and of course Bradish and Dean Kramer were very encouraging last year. Yeah, Again, no. we're probably going to disagree on this. I think Tyler Wells profiles to me as a really good late inning arm. I agree. Uh, I would give that. I would give that position to both. Uh, and see what you can create in Austin vote, both yeah. in literal value during the season and maybe turning him into something. If I'm wrong on DL Hall and suddenly you got Hall and Rodriguez and a couple other young guys come up, Drew Rom or something, and all of a sudden you got Austin vote has a lot of value. That's how you can make a big trade for someone. 
Yeah, no, I, I Stan, in all of my the, the mock rotations that I've thought up for the Orioles, Tyler Wells isn't in my rotation. I think he belongs in the bullpen at this point. Yeah. I think he's injury prone, and I think he's got a, a big live arm if he's in short spurts. I don't I, I don't need him. I, I don't think he should be in the Orioles rotation at this point because I think they have options that are better at, at, at this point. I, I, I think with Dylan Tate, and uh, Perez in your bullpen with Bautista as your stopper, if you then have a lefty-righty combo in front of them, in front of projecting in front of and better than Tate and Perez, and that duo is Hall and Wells, man, if, if I'm right about that, that's a dominant damn bullpen, you yeah. know, those yeah. five arms. Uh, yeah. The Orioles have they have a lot of talent that they can put in their rotation and in their bullpen. I think that they're gonna that that is people. I don't think people are are valuing enough just how strong those those units could be for the Orioles hey, this year hey, and last, in the future. Last question, real quick. I'm sure. gonna throw it back to you two. Is would you rather have Rich Hill for a year, or would you rather have had Ryan Yarborough for a year? Mm. Ooh, for me, it's Yarborough. I would have probably I would have probably paid Yarborough like double what he's gotten for two years. Yeah. For, you know, for me, sort of, I, I like him. It's the yeah. age for Rich Hill. I, I just can't see. I, I don't like that option as it's currently presented. I, I don't like the Rich Hill option. I like the Michael Waka option a uh, hell of a lot more. So for me, Ryan Yarborough is younger. Um, he can go between two roles in a really big way. Yarborough. For, yeah. for, for me, it's Rich Hill because if you if okay. you only have to do it for one year, Rich Hill is proven. For over a decade now, that he can put up good numbers and he can he can keep you in ball games. Ryan Yarborough, for as talented as he is, he wasn't very good last year, and it, he I believe he's also coming off an injury. I I look at Rich Hill and I'm like, he might only get okay. you five innings, but he's going to give you a three and a half ERA and keep you in ball games. It's a toss up. So all right, all right, Stan, what do you have coming up this week? Uh. Ross and I Monday night have uh, met Dr. Meredith Wills on, and she's an expert on uh, the baseball, the physics of the baseball. Uh, we've had her on before. She's really fascinating. I forget what college she teaches at, uh, but uh, she's above our pay grade, uh, Ross and I. Uh, and then Thursday night, um, we're going to have on Emily Agata. Uh, her sister, Joanna Agata, was not married to, but was the significant other of Craig Willinger. And when Craig passed away from cancer, she started, uh, his wife and sister-in-law started this foundation called the Craig, Craig Willinger Fund. And they raise money and send uh, a cancer patient, uh, usually a child, you know, in, in his teens or something, on a soccer trip of a lifetime. So we're going to talk to her about that because it turned out I did not know that Grant Wall, the uh, reporter who was over there at the World Cup who passed away, mm. um, and as much as we like conspiracy theories, it does not look like he was murdered by the Qatar government or anything like that, even though he was very critical of them. Uh, and there have been rumors that, oh, they, they, you know, they put a hit out on him. Um, he passed away. It's sad. His wife went to med school at Hopkins or did her residency at Hopkins. So he was here for two or three years. He became friendly with uh, Craig Willinger and has been a friend of the Craig Willinger Fund uh, and and helped them mm. promote the product that they have. It's a really nice story. 
Uh, well, people should be sure to tune in on Thursday so they can hear more about that. Um, yeah. Stan, enjoy the Ravens. And by the game. way, I meant yes. it was really. I meant it was a really nice story. The Craig Willinger fund is right. a nice story, not that Grant Wall passed away. No, no, we, everybody knew what, what you meant there. We we know who you. Yeah. Are. So, all right, Stan. Yeah. Have a great all weekend. Right. Enjoy the Ravens game. We'll talk you to you. Guys oh, have oh, a great weekend. Stan, no, and no, have a great holiday. Guys. No shows yeah. the next two weeks, no so shows. we'll talk to you in the new year. Okay. All right. Look forward to it, guys. Take have care. Thanks, Dan. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us who, uh, for his weekly segment. And again, he has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by BaltimoreBaseball.com writer and friend of the bat around Rich Dubroff. Stan caught up with Maryland Lottery Director John Martin to discuss the start of mobile sports betting, uh, while Stan and Gary held their regular sports business Symposium with former pro sports executives Andy Dolich and Marty Conway. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday for another great show with Dr. Meredith Wills uh, on the physics of baseball. And on Thursday, as Stan was just talking about, he and Gary will have Emily uh, Agura, uh, the sister of Craig Willinger's significant other. They've started a fund in Craig's name, the Craig Willinger Fund. Um, basically, what they do is they send a child with cancer on the soccer trip of a lifetime. So be sure to tune in for that. Also, if you're tuning in to football today and tomorrow all weekend, uh, Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get offers like $200 in free bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet or a $1,000 in risk free bets from BetMGM. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. So go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. When we come back in, uh, former Orioles beat writer from the Baltimore Sun who has now joined the Baltimore banner to fill the same role, Andy Kotzka joins us next on The Battle Round. The weather outside is really unpleasant so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood glory days grill try the twisted ribs and wings combo it's two full pounds of meat the mac and cheese bites mr richard's meatloaf the citrus salmon the winter spinach salad and for dessert here's internet radio personality griffin bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake oh my god it's so good pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports what's up everyone this is Tyus bowser and i'm excited to tell you that i'm back for season two of the Tyus bowser show in partnership with Pressbox and great ace memorabilia join us on tuesday nights throughout the season as i'll be heading all over town with my special guests and of course our co-hosts glenn and rita or is it rita and glenn what is it i look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life and if you happen to miss the show you can now catch a replay friday nights on 1057 the fan get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, January 3rd at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today stan the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the costas inn and everybody around baltimore knows the costas inn is a great place to go and grab crabs steaks salads soups whatever is on your mind to eat in person but did you know that the costas inn has upped their game they are now one of the premier takeout places in baltimore give them a call now to order your food 410-477-1975 that's the costas inn over 4100 north point Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Bataround. I think Zach forgot that we were doing a show. He was just goofing off, singing in the mirror in the bathroom back there. Uh, if you um, if you were paying attention through the commercial break, you heard Glenn Clark talk about the new Ginsu Kamado Grill, and I want you all to know that it is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear grill bake and smoke all kinds of food get the details and reserve your reserve yours today at ginsugrills.com and use the code tailgate to get $100 off your order that's tailgate to get $100 off your order and you can sample the cooking from the ginsu kamado grill at the game day firehouse before every ravens home game at 1202 ridgely street just west of the stadium plus you can register to win your own ginsu kamado grill and $500 worth of grilling meats joining us now on the bat around hotline Formerly of the Baltimore Sun. Zach, can you turn me up just a little bit? Formerly of the Baltimore Sun. He is the new Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Banner. He is Andy Kotzka, and he's live with us here on the Batter Round. Andy, it's Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us, especially since you're a little bit under the weather today. Hey, Andy, uh, I'm sorry. We keep having this issue for some reason with our second guest of the show where we can't really hear him. Uh, I think we got you now. Are you there, Andy? We got you, Andy. Am I good? Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what the, that that keeps happening with our second guest of the show for some reason, but we are good now. Uh, you've moved to the Baltimore Banner, Andy. Tell us a little bit about that move um, and how that's going for you so far. Yeah, well, it's it's an exciting you know startup in 
nothing against the sun. The, the sun's great. Uh, always has been, always will be, but, um, it just, you know, it was an exciting opportunity to go over the banner, uh, you know, have, have the resources for me to, you know, fly out to San Diego for the winter meetings and, uh, you know, really excited to, to do some long form work about the O's and, and obviously there'll, there'll be plenty of, of news stories, you know, it's, it's the nature of, of baseball. It's not all long form, but excited to kind of dig, dig my teeth into some, uh, some, some big, big stories. Uh, we're just certainly glad that you're going to be sticking around the area and covering the team and that we're going to get to talk to you this, this upcoming season and read everything that you have to say about it. Um, in your most recent article, you talked about the Adam Frazier edition kind of introducing uh, Baltimore to that player. He's not exactly what the fans envision when Michael Elias spoke in August and again in November about this offseason, but he is a guy who in the past has gotten on base. He's a former All-Star, 31-year-old second baseman, uh, the majority of his, of his playing time is at second base. Um, slash 238-301-311 last year. Is there reason to believe that Adam Frazier can get back to that career 272-336 slash line? Or, should we, or are we kind of seeing maybe the decline of his career at this point? I think there's, there's every reason to believe that, that he can get back to his best. Um, you know, the, the Orioles are such an analytic... Uh, heavy team, uh, Matt Bork, Schalter, Schalter and uh, and Ryan Fuller, terrific hitting coaches. They 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 figure out tweaks, and and he has a a meeting, you know, a couple of days with them, and even just during you know his his talk with Elias and uh, Brian Hyde, you know, it was it was very clear that that the the O's understood what went wrong last season for Adam Fraser. Um, you know, just kind of a, a disconnect between. Uh, his his top and, and bottom halves. He he wasn't getting uh, as much torque, you know, through the ground. I, I think it's kind of an underappreciated, you know, like players always talk about how like they need like strong footing and and have tension in the base. And, and people I don't I don't think realize how important that is just for a baseball swing. And 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 that's you know he was kind of lacking in that area last year, uh, according to him. And that that can do a lot to a player, you know, if you're just if you're just a little bit off. Uh, on, on the bottom half, your, your top half naturally is going to be uh, a little bit off as well. So I think getting getting back to that, um, what he did in 2021 was was you know amazing. I mean, what 305 batting average? Um, you, you're getting a guy that he's not going to hit home runs. I don't think the O's wanted a guy that's doing that. Uh, he doesn't strike out much. Top five percentage in whiff rate and strikeout rate. There's a lot to like. You know, he, he uh, again another another veteran and. And the interesting thing here, and I've kind of, I kind of alluded alluded to it in a story about, I wrote an analysis piece about um, just how like he fits in the puzzle that is the Orioles infield. Mm-hmm. Like it, it could actually be kind of a, a security blanket in, in a way that the O's could pursue a trade, and they could attach a major league guy, you know, a Taron Vavra, uh, a Ramon Arias, you know, Jorge Mateo. I, I kind of doubt Mateo, but. We'll, we'll see, you know, about the potential of a, of a trade, you know, to get a to get a frontline starter, uh, starting pitcher. Um, so I, he could be, he could have a bigger role than people realize, just because right now you kind of look and you're like, you know, they they have, they have Taron Vavra and they they have they have all these infielders coming up, but why do they need another one? And you know, you, you never know what you know internationations are, are going on in, in Michael Elias's head, but. Um, it definitely opens the possibility of a trade. 
Our own Zach Goodman, who's sitting across the table from me, he actually said that on Twitter the other day that he thinks that this could be the first sign that the Orioles will be making a trade for starting pitching. Now, Andy, I'm I'm not one of those guys who I'm I'm not usually and my my Twitter followers would 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 fight me on this, but I'm really not a naysayer. I, until they don't do nope. it, I believe that the Orioles are, that, that Michael Elias is going to do what he says he's going to do. But this my, my confidence has kind of waned in this off season, uh, based on the comments he's made and then what we've seen happen. I'm a I'm gonna I'll believe it when I see it. Person in this instance, how likely do you think a trade is for a starting pitcher? Because now we know, a there's not a top of the rotation guy on the free agent market. And even if there was, the Orioles probably weren't going to be in on him. Does that make you think that a trade is likely for that guy? Did we lose you, Andy? Are you still there? Andy? Uh, We're going to give Andy a call back here. We've been having some technical difficulties with our phone line. Uh, hopefully we can get him back on. I, I know that he's not feeling all that well, so we don't want to keep him too long. And hopefully he can get back into bed and get some rest. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just not sure how likely it is that this team makes a trade for a starting pitcher because of what Elias said about not wanting to trade major league talent. Now maybe he doesn't want to trade good major league talent or major league talent that he thinks is still part a good part of this team. Um, Austin Hayes, we talked about his values at an all-time low. Arias, a, a nearly a four-win player last year. He's somebody who could be had in trade because there's really a roster squeeze with him. Mateo, I don't think he hits enough and gets on base enough to be part of that, but you never really know, and Adam Frazier coming in and being a part of uh, this team now does make a trade more likely. We, I believe we have Andy back. Andy, do we have you? Yeah, you got me. All right, so... With what's going on with this market and the Orioles not being in play for the top for the first or second tier starting pitchers, um, not being willing to really spend that kind of money, do you think that a trade is likely at this point? I wouldn't rule it out. Sure. Um, you know, there's still a, a Michael Waka out there. Um, you know, that he's definitely a, a possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as the starting pitching free agent market continues to dwindle. Uh, as we've seen it, you know, and I don't think the O's are ever going to spend the amount that Carlos Rodon got from from the Yankees. But you know, as the second tier guys kind of kind of go off the market, um, that opens the possibility of a trade. And I think uh, you know, Mike Elias hinted at it, you know, at his end of season press conference about you know, like the O's have the prospect capital they do kind of for this. You know, it's they're not always going to spend the most. As I mean, we've seen, what they're twenty eighth in the league, you know, right now in, in payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they're kind of in a in a situation where they they could go for a guy that has team control on a team friendly contract, and, and instead of spending free agent dollars, they're really spending prospect capital, and it might include, you know, a a difficult. Uh, goodbye, you know, a, a Jordan Westberg, you know, one of the you know top prospects that, you know, you love everything he's been doing. You know, he, he, he could be uh, one of those guys that's included in a trade. You know, maybe uh, maybe Anthony Santander, or, you know, Austin Hayes. You don't know how, you know, valuable uh, you might have to have to go in terms of major league talent instead of just prospects. But I, I definitely, I would not be surprised at all to see a trade at this point. Um in, in fact, I would think it's probably the, the likelier outcome of the of the two, whether they go for a free agent or uh, to to kind of satisfy that top end 
starting pitcher. Sure, and, and Elias did say on multiple occasions that they were looking to add to the top of their rotation, and they, they certainly weren't going to do that for the money that got thrown around this offseason. So a trade would seem to be the most likely scenario. I just don't know how likely that scenario is, if that makes sense. Um, now, on the other side of things, they, Adam Frazier's the, the, the big uh, bat acquisition to this point, and he's not a thumper. I look at the Orioles lineup, Andy, and you know, you've got Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, and Austin Hayes spent a bulk of the year right in the heart of that order, and those are good power guys, but low OBP guys, big chase guys, they strike out a lot. I really felt like they needed to add a guy to the middle of the order to elongate the lineup and not strand so many base runners. Are they still in play for any kind of bat that can provide that for the team, or is this basically it? I would imagine that they, they're looking at a left-handed hitting first baseman uh, who can play some DH um, as well. Uh, you know, there's Brandon Belt is, is still available. Uh, Eric Hosmer just got designated for assignment. Right. Uh, you, you never know exactly what, what they do there. But I would imagine uh, a first baseman still um, on the wish list. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to make, make a large splash. I, I, don't, I don't think they will. Regarding the lineup, I think you kind of believe that you have a guy like you know Gunner middle lineup. Um, he's going to take another step. Right. Riley Rushman middle lineup, you know, is is not a swing and miss guy. He's going to take another step. Um, they have kind of the the, the core guys, um, and and Adam Frazier. I mean, he doesn't yeah he doesn't hit for power, but um, he gets on base. If, if, you know, for twenty twenty one, you know, last year was was you know, dipped obviously pretty heavily. Um, but, you know, he, he, he over his career has gotten on base at, at a high percentage and, and, and doesn't strike out while he's doing that, um, which is probably the, the best thing that Elias would have seen in just what he brings to the table. Um, I, I don't see a, a major acquisition. Um, I'm, you know, crystal ball, it could always be wrong, but yeah. Um, I would be surprised if they made a major major splash for the lineup, but kind of trusting that guys, uh, you know, like Gunner and, and Adley are going to take that next step, and they're going to be middle lineup guys that that don't strike out very much. Where does Kyle Stowers um, fall in all of this? He's a left-handed guy who has good power. He's kind of he kind of showed he's kind of shown everything he was ever going to show at triple a there's no point in him being there anymore it seemed as though he wasn't really trusted against left-handed left-handed pitchers despite the the big time uh, reverse splits in the minor leagues uh is this a guy who's in the who in your opinion is in the orioles plans to have an everyday role especially if they do make a trade uh from their core of outfielders for a starting pitcher and he's not part of that trade I think we lost Andy again. Yeah, I, I think we lost Andy again. Uh, just, just shoot Andy a text and let him know. Like, he, he, you can tell he's not feeling well, and we keep losing him. Let Andy know we appreciate it. That we hope he feels better. We're gonna move on in the show. Um, just because we've got other things to get to. Um, our apologies to Andy. I don't know if the technical difficulties are on his side or on our side. Um, and again, he's he's not feeling well. You can hear it in his voice. 
so we're gonna we're gonna cut him cut him a break today and let him get some rest and hopefully talk to him again sometime in this offseason. Again, we will be talking to Andy in the uh, during the twenty twenty three season as well. So uh, thank you, Andy, for coming on the show. Sorry you're not feeling so well and that we couldn't keep the technical difficulties to a minimum. Uh, but we do hope to talk to you soon. Uh, look, I, I there's no big splash to be made at this point for the lineup. If you unless you consider Justin Turner or J.D. Martinez a big splash. At this point, I think that they provide you something that you don't have for the middle of your order. The guys who can go gap to gap and get on base and not strike out a ton. I, I, they both strike out, but they both get on base a lot too, and they come through in clutch situations. Um, but there's no big splash to be made at this point in the offseason. And I'm not. Stan was talking about Michael Conforto, and I'm I'm not big on Michael Conforto. I'm also not big. I, yeah, I was a couple yeah, of years ago, a few years ago. But I mean, he he has the same profile to me as Anthony Santander. Or I, I'd have to ask Stan about it. And I know we were running out of time, so I didn't really get a chance. But I'm curious as to why he thinks Conforto holds as much value as he does. Um, you know, he he basically inferred that he would rather gotten Conforto than Adam Frazier, and I'm not with him. There. Well, he's he's a lefty bat that's got. Power, he is, you he know, is. Um, and at his best, he can hit twenty to thirty home runs. He can sure. drive in some runs, and he can he can get on base of probably the, around the three thirty clip. Um, but he hasn't done that really since 2019, 2020. right? And, yeah, and, and, and and we don't really count twenty twenty because uh, yeah, and twenty twenty one he wasn't good, right? Twenty twenty two he didn't play because of the injury, right? Um. And he's also a Boris client, I believe. Yeah, and and I really don't. The more you look at it, if you look at uh, if you go to Baseball Reference for any Mm -hmm. insert name here player that is that has like a Michael Conforto type of profile, Mm -hmm. and you you'll go down their stat line and you'll see an outlier, a big number year as far as a slash line, and then you look over and it's twenty twenty. 2020 was such a truncated season that a lot of guys have big years. Santander, for example. Yeah, a lot. Exactly, a lot of guys have big years because it was 60 games and they got off to a hot start. Yeah, and you are who you are mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball at a certain point. There's still there are still guys who are growing and becoming who they are. But when you get to a certain point in your career, you are who you, you are. You hit your peak. And right. I think Michael Conforto hit that in probably 2019. 2018, 2019. Yeah. Right. I mean, he... And, and I was a big fan. I loved Michael I, I thought that Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo were two of the best outfielders that I'd seen in a long time um, on the same team. I mean, they were they were a power duo and guys that really complemented each other well. But Conforto, he got caught by a bug that catches a lot of guys that you strike out too much you swing and miss too much your plate discipline's not good enough he became kind of one of those guys and I'm not sure if he was subscribing to that launch angle philosophy that a lot of these teams are putting out there now but it certainly looks like he might have um, because his drop-off was pretty significant and now he's a guy that I don't really know if you know four years later I'm gonna have a lot of confidence in in becoming what he was four years ago I I just don't really see that yeah I I don't I don't see it either, and th- that's why. But what you just said—the strikes out too much type of type of situation—that's mm-hmm. why I'm not comfortable with this Orioles lineup. As is, well, I'm not either. I'm I'm not comfortable with it because you didn't address it. Uh, Adam Frazier is a nice addition. Mm-hmm. He's better than Roof Neto Door by a good bit. Yeah. He is a nice addition. He shouldn't be the main guy. He, I, yeah, he, yeah. He he, he shouldn't. And, and look. 
we are going to talk about this in Orioles banter. Mm-hmm. We're going to catch a break here. We're going to get into this more in depth. But the, the Orioles have not done enough. Their biggest issue last year was runners in scoring position beginning of the year and end of the year. They had a nice little run there in the middle of the season. And they didn't address it. Right. I don't know why we're expecting. And even with Gunnar Henderson, it was still an issue. Right. I don't know why we're expecting some of these guys to suddenly... And why we can expect it from Hayes and Santander, but not Mountcastle. Look, we're going to get into that after the break. I want to remind you, PressBox is offering new sports betters the best sign-up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $100, like $100 in free bets from Barstool after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,500 in risk-free bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today when we come back in Orioles banter that and more next on the battle round gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience but there are risks involved if you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer know your limit stay within it set a budget and a time to stop remember gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling for free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Need a last-minute gift for a kid in your life? How about a membership to the Retriever Kids Club? It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It's a great deal, makes a tremendous holiday gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub for more info. Membership is for kids 12 and under. The Retriever Kids Club. Find out more, umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code TAILGATE. That's ginsugrills.com. Reserve yours today. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. The Bat Around today brought to you by Press Boxes Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We say it every week. If you're not tuning in, you don't want to because... There's no reason not to. You have you can find the show everywhere, and you really should be tuning in because you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Tyrod Taylor, Brenda Freeze, Matt Stover, and Kurt Warner, among others. Find those interviews and the Tyus Bowser show with special guest Devin Duvernay, Duvarnay in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you ever noticed that like all the announcers call him Devin Duvernay? Yeah, Duvernay. It, it, people talk about that. My, my brother says it every week. He talks about that. It's Duvernay or something Duvernay. like that. Yeah, Duvernay. Du- Duvernay. Yeah, it's it's, it's, weird. it's weird. How does he say? How does Duvernay say? It? Is it Duvernay? It's Duvernay. It's got to be. It's got to be Duvernay. It's got to be Duvernay. I don't even. I've always called him Duvernay. Well, maybe it doesn't it's have Devin to be. Duvernay. Maybe it is Duvernay. It's it's um. Yeah. Like when the, when the broadcasters would call Haloti Nata Haloti Nata Nata yeah that is how you that's that. technically how yeah. you pronounce his name but we're lazy and don't want to he, do he's that. Samoan I believe yes. correct and that's yeah. how probably how it his is pronounced feet are so big mm-hmm. that when he got cleats they had to be delivered one shoe to a box speaking of big things um Charlie Woods is playing with Tiger today in the PNC Championship um and that's happening. The PGA Char- Championship? The, the PNC. Oh, the PNC, PNC Championship. So it's the father-son golf tournament on mm-hmm. the PGA Tour, and Tiger and Charlie are playing today. And uh, Charlie's 13. He has probably the best golf swing I've ever seen. It looks, it looks I- exactly like identical Tiger's. to. No, it actually looks like Rory a little bit more. Um, and Tiger told him to copy Rory, and it looks so much like Rory. We saw um, that somebody posted a side-by-side. I think Sports Illustrated posted sure a side-by-side like Tiger of them. Too. Everything he does the is fundamentals. Tiger. Yeah, the the, fundamental, even sure. even the way that he like bends his elbows to pick his tee up. He yeah, I mean he he's very very similar in that in the mannerisms. But his hands, this kid's thirteen. His hands are probably bigger than mine. Probably bigger than yours. The man's hands. He, he's got like oven mitts on his hands. He's grown quite a bit in the last yeah, two years. He, he quite has. a bit. I, I, I he's out driving Tiger now apparently. Is he? Yeah, uh, dude. I'm actually really excited for Charlie Woods. Oh, me too. Because. I love Tiger Woods. Oh, me too. The, and yeah. The, Huge his, fan. His competitive career, I'll still go out there, but his competitive mm-hmm. career being towards the top of the leaderboards, it's gone. It's so, over. I, I, I'm going to butcher the name, but Padrag Harrington, I believe that's how you say his first name, mm-hmm. um, who's one of the great Padre, golfers. Uh, Padre, I, I think it's Padraig Harrington. Be, yeah. He's one of the great golfers of the early 2000s and 2010s. He said he thinks, from what he's seen, Tiger's going to win another major. He he says Tiger is the best he's been in a long time. Since, really? Since he won the Masters in, what, 19 now? He says Tiger, in this past year, since he's really kind of not played golf and, and not really done 
down a lot. He's improved. We haven't seen him basically all summer. We haven't really seen him since the last, uh, the the last major. It was the, yeah, right, the one he played at, uh, at St. Andrews. And even then, he was he was pretty limited in what he could do. But he's starting to say that now he can he can move more. He can you know kind of get back it's, up it's, to it's, Tiger. It's all about that leg because yeah. it, it looked like he like they thought they might have to amputate. Right when yeah. he was walking, you saw him at the at, I believe it was at um, the U.S. Open. During when he was at the practice green, and mm-hmm. he stepped out of a, I think he stepped out of a sand trap, mm-hmm. and you saw how his leg buckled. Yep. And it's like, oh god, he's never gonna, he's never gonna win again. Right. I love Tiger Woods. I love. I, I have think, a poster of him. In my room. I, I think he is the. You are twenty one years old. I do. It's have, it's actually not a poster. It's a flag. It's a. Uh, it's like the size of an American flag, and it has Tiger. You know what? On it. Don't even let me hate on you because until I met my wife, I had stuff like that in my room. Because I, I, I mean, I had, I was renting a room someplace. I had no place yeah. else to put it. It's decorations. So don't, don't don't let me hate on you. I'm I'm, I'm just I'm being a jerk. Um. I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. I think he is the greatest individual sport athlete in the history he of is. professional sports. I, 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 I look at Tiger Woods, and there has been nobody. The only other person that compares is Serena Williams. And Michael Phelps, I would say. And Michael, oh, okay. I would uh, say but, that's like the Mount Rushmore. You look at those three and then maybe throw Tom Brady in there. That's no, the no, Mount no, but, Rushmore but, but individual sports. Okay. Individual sports. So you, you can't even throw Tom Brady in there. So yeah. it, it, it would be like... It, uh, it would be like Novak Djokovic, mm. uh, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, and Michael Phelps. But yeah. I, for me, Tiger Woods, Tiger. Like I played golf when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I I didn't. I played golf before Tiger Woods came, burst onto the scene, right? And Tiger Woods made me fall in love mm-hmm. with the game of golf sure. and all of the crap that he had. Um, going on in his personal life. a lot life. in his personal life. A lot of he's stuff, and that he's not proud of. The end. You know, it's none of our business. Mm-hmm. It's none of my business. It's none of your business. It's none of our business. And it sucks that because he's Tiger Woods, it, it was put out there. He did some scummy things. Yeah. I think he's, you know, I don't know what he's done, but to me, he's an ambassador for the game. He's mm-hmm. the greatest golfer of all time. All apologies to Jack Nicholas. He's the greatest golfer of all time. And I look at Tiger Woods, and all I, see, I I'm just in awe when yeah. I when I watch him me play. Too. So if he wins another another major, I will be giddy. I was beside myself happy when he won the Masters yep. in 2017. Yep. So. Uh, I'm rooting for him for that comeback, so I hope that Padre Harrington is correct. Um, this isn't the putt around; it's the bat around. <laughs> the putt around, I love it. Um, so moving on to Orioles banter, and before we get into Adam Frazier and how this off season has gone, Stan talks about this, and I love Stan. Stan's giving me, providing me this opportunity. I respect him uh, as a man, as a baseball man, as a human being. I so vehemently disagree with him on D.L. Hall and Ryan Mountcastle. Okay. D.L. Hall is 24 years old. He has pitched sparingly in the major leagues the final mm-hmm. month of the season. Right? He got that one start where he was thrust into it with Robinson Chirinos as his catcher for some stupid reason. <laughs> um, so I don't even count that. D.L. Hall's arm is special. He's 24 years old. He's still learning how to pitch. Because you can pitch and you can get by in high school and in college by just being so electric that you dominate everybody else. And keep in mind, he didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. He pitched in high school and then immediately became a professional. Yeah. And pitching in the pros, playing in the pros, different ball game. Not, no pun intended. Different animal there. You're not going to get me to give up on D.L. Hall as a starter at 24 years old when he hasn't even pitched in a, in a, in a big league rotation yet. I don't think he starts the year on the big league club. 
I think he starts in in Norfolk starting rotation Mm -hmm. to prove that he can, unless he just goes bananas in spring training, he has four pitches, four plus pitches. He's got elite, an elite fastball. He's left-handed. He can give you innings. I look at D.L. Hall and I say, if you have him working with Chris Holt all offseason, all spring, this is a guy who can really take off. I think he's a dark horse candidate for rookie of the year. Wow. I, I, I believe in D.L. Hall so freaking much. And I think it would be so erroneous on the Orioles. I think it would be a huge mistake to just say right now, nah, you're not going to work out of the starter. You're in our bullpen. And I think that that's that he's that the player remembers that because he wants to be a starter. Mm-hmm. You put him in the bullpen, you think you're going to have a chance to re-sign him? You think uh, may, and maybe Pens. And, and, and look, maybe he I think he would excel in that bullpen role or despite his high ERA, he had a 1.65 FIP in 13 games mm-hmm. this past season. He did. So the stuff is there. You think that even if he becomes an all-star caliber reliever, that he's going to want to re-sign for you cuz you're the team that didn't believe in him to be in your starting rotation. Yeah, I think it would be a huge error in judgment if the Orioles don't do everything they can to keep him a starting pitcher until he p- proves it beyond a shadow of a doubt okay. that he can't uh, cut it, that he can't hack it. He has not proven that to me. I don't think he's proven that to anybody. I think to say that he belongs in the bullpen at this point in his career is just... It's counting your chickens before they're hatched. It, you're basically, you want instant gratification. Oh, he's not elite now, and he walks too many guys, put him in the bullpen. And I've said this before, and I'm not saying that he's a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher, but imagine if the Astros had done that with Nolan Ryan, or if the Expos and the Mariners had done that with Randy Johnson, the Orioles had done that with Jim Palmer. All Hall of Fame pitchers, some of the best pitchers in the history of the game, who had serious Control issues. Randy Johnson, aged 26, 27, 28, three years in a row, led the major leagues in walks. He won five Cy Youngs. Mm-hmm. Do not write D.L. Hall off at this point as a starting pitching candidate because he hasn't done it yet at the big league level. He's 24 years old, and he's a first-round pick. Don't turn him into Hunter Harvey. And then, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, go No, ahead. no, no, no. And, and, and then, getting to Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle's Doubles went up this year. His walks went up this year. His strikeouts went down this year. If you look at his slash line this past season compared to 2021, very similar slash lines. The power went down because they moved the wall back 30 feet and raised it 12 feet in the air, and he hit into some bad luck. He got robbed a couple of well, times. Well, that's your fault for the wall. Uh, oh, oh right, right, right. My it's bad. My, my bad. I did nothing to stop the Orioles from building you, you that didn't, wall. Paul, you should have done something. I, I should have done. I should have stood in front of the bulldozers. You know, <laughs> chained myself to the old wall, right? Um, and his peripherals state that he was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball this year, and that should even out. Mm-hmm. His defense got considerably better. Look, it, it, Adam Jones never became a big walk guy. Adam Jones is a big chase guy, and he is. Borderline number number should be retired in Baltimore. Ryan Mountcastle is going to be 26 in February, and we're already talking about how this is a make or break year for him. God, I hope he shoves it in everybody's faces. The, he's the type of hitter that he can be. His barrel to ball skills, his uh, his hand speed, the power that he has. Yeah, maybe he won't hit 33 home runs again because the wall got pushed back so far, mm-hmm. right? But 
if he can still hit 270, and every level that he's been at, he's hit well above 270, 280. I'm not willing to write him off after two full seasons on a bad team and on a team that was good, but pushed their wall back. I think Ryan Mountcastle's a player, and I'm not. I just think that we're writing these guys off way too soon. He's not even 26 yet. So let me start with Hall. Um, this rebuild, I think, in many ways, has been built around open-mindedness. They've taken a lot of guys from waiver claims or from minor league free agency, Felix Bautista, for example, guys like that who have not really proved themselves and then have been given a chance and been able to prove themselves. So they've been open-minded this entire time. And mm-hmm. I think the Orioles, even so, if you consider the rebuild is over, if you're someone who considers that it is, you still got to keep that open-mindedness in place, in my opinion. So I agree with you. I don't think writing off D.L. Hall at this point and immediately saying, okay, he's had one start in the majors. It didn't go well with Robinson Chirinos at catcher. I don't think they should write him off in any sense of the word. That that would be a again a huge Aaron judgment. Aaron judgment. Aaron judgment. Aaron judgment. I just realized <laughs> what it sounded like, and I had to say it twice. Um, it would be because you you've got to give the guy a chance, and he does have electric stuff, and the stuff is really good. Um, and he throws hard, and and the guy's still again twenty four years old. So I think the open mindedness there needs to carry through to DL Hall, and they need to give him at least a chance. But. I do wonder how long the leash is. I think the uh, leash on a guy like Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a hell of a lot longer than it is on a guy like D.L. Hall. If you get 10 bad you know, starts in a row or something along those lines. You're or even if going you, to. I don't know. I mean, the ERA was still, what, four and a half at, at AAA? I, I don't know if they consider that good enough. Well, and that's why I think he's going to start in the Nor- in Norfolk's rotation. And he probably will. But I'm, we, we talked about it last year a bunch that the difference between AAA and the major leagues is so big right now. Mm-hmm. That if he was able to put up only a 4-5 ERA there, and I don't know what the FIP was. I'd have to dig into that. Um, and I'm sure some of that was unlucky because the defense at every level in the Orioles organization last year had some ups and downs. But uh, the infield defense is really good now in Baltimore, and that could certainly help him out. And you look at the FIP, and it was 1.65, and that's certainly reason to be excited about the Hall. But I, I do think that his leash is a bit shorter, and it should be. I'm of the ilk. The ilk. I'm of the mindset. <laughs> if it were me and this is why I'm not a GM, mm-hmm. I'd put him in the opening day rotation. I would and, not. And, and I'd let him go. I would go triple-A rotation. I, I, well, well, because I, I, I've, like I said, I, I think I believe in D.L. Hall more than just about anybody else except for his parents really? and himself. I am a wow. huge believer in D.L. Hall. He, he's so freaking talented. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also because the combination of D.L. Hall and Chris Holt, right? And people forget about the fact that last year wasn't an ordinary year. He had no offseason. He was on the 40-man roster, so he couldn't work out with the team. He couldn't go to spring training with the other minor leaguers. Yep. He had to wait until March 8th yep. to get to spring training, and then he's put on the back burner because he's coming back from an injury. They want to they hold his hand and kind of baby him along, and they have to focus on the guys who are going to be sure. on their big league club. He was at an extreme disadvantage Compared to all the other guys that we've talked about here. An extreme disadvantage. Yeah. Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer. Well, Dean Kramer is on the 40-man. But Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish, they weren't on the 40-man. Yeah. Adley Rushman, not on the 40-man. They got to go to, to minor league spring training. Dean Kramer didn't get that luxury. Mm-hmm. Dean Kramer healthy this offseason, gets a full offseason with the team, gets a full spring training with the team. And you're going to tell me that they can turn around CNL Perez? They can turn around Austin Voth? But they can't turn around D.L. Hall. 
That's what people are going to try and tell me. That's what you're going to try and make me believe. No freaking way. There's no way that's true. So I like, and this isn't coming at you. No, I know. But let me ask you this. So the Orioles have been, this regime has been here since uh, 2018 at this point. And DL Hall has yet to put up a really, really good year with really, really good numbers. Why? That's not true. I mean, it's, well, well, I guess uh, what we consider really, really good could be different. But last year even, I mean, the numbers in AA were pretty good, but once you got to AAA, they weren't so good. And, and the yearly numbers in total were not that good. So I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to know what the Orioles can do more of that's going to help them out. I mean, there's certainly something. Chris Holt's done a lot of great things. Like you mentioned, Austin DeVoth is a guy that looked like he had no hope and turned around. Right. D.L. Hall in 2019... This first year okay. with this regime, yeah, he went four and five with a three forty six ERA in nineteen games, seventeen starts. He threw eighty and, that's and two. Total? Yeah, he he okay. threw he threw eighty and two thirds innings, and they kept him at high A. Okay, that was back when Elias was saying we want our top prospects to spend one year at each level. They okay. kept him in high A, three forty six ERA, and he had one hundred and sixteen strikeouts in eighty and two thirds. That's innings, good. Yep, right, uh, and a one point three two six WHIP. Mm-hmm. Walks per nine were six. Strikeouts per nine were twelve point nine. Didn't play in twenty twenty. Yep. Right, but they said that he held his own at the at the uh, alternate training site. Twenty twenty one, with the voice crack, <laughs> in seven starts, two and zero oh, with a three thirteen ERA, in thirty one and two thirds innings, he had a one point oh one WHIP. He averaged four and a half strikeouts per nine, yeah. which is down one. I mean, I'm sorry, four and a half walks per nine, which is down one and a half, and 15.9 strikeouts. Then mm-hmm. he has a stress reaction in his elbow. He's done for the year, right? So then they go and they start him out in the at Aberdeen. One start, no runs allowed. They move him to the Eastern League. One start, he allows two runs in three and two thirds innings, and then they move him to AAA. And he was up and down. He had a really nice stretch where he was really freaking good, and then he went out and gave up like nine runs in like a, an inning and a third in, in a start that yep. ballooned his ERA. But his ERA was four forty eight um, at AAA. Okay, so he's been successful. He's been yeah he, at every at, like literally he's been successful his entire minor league career. Mm-hmm. It's a fallacy to say that he hasn't been. I guess that's true. You, and, uh, the and, numbers are lower than I thought they were, uh, but the walks are still really high, and that's so, something that's super concerning to me. Right. Six, but he, six but, per nine is very, very, very poor. Yeah, that was his second full... What, what was his walks per nine in 2022? They went back up. They went up to 5.3. They were 2.5 per nine in the Eastern League, but when he got into the Independent League... Mm-hmm. Uh, not Independent League, the, uh, inter, the International yeah. League... Um, Triple A, they went up to five point eight. Five point eight, yeah. uh, and that was because of the fact I, I would imagine he's pitching at a higher level, and he was probably nibbling a little bit, and he mm-hmm. was probably trying to prove that he belongs. You also have to think about the fact that this is a guy who's trying to pr- prove that he belongs at the big league level, that he deserves a crack at the starting rotation. Then you look at what happened when he got to the Orioles; his walks per nine went to a career best four point Okay, even that's a little high though. Right. Compared to... But it is a career best, and it's at the big league level. And who is he working with at the big league level? Chris Holt. Right, but and also we got to consider it was as a reliever. So the, the circumstances are a little different. Right. And then, and okay, so then what was it? In his last... Uh, I think it was something like his last six games or something like that. He had two walks to 12 strikeouts. I think you're right. 
He, Again, he, I'm not writing him off. I'm just saying I'm not. He's shown progression, especially at the big league level. He showed a great de- deal of progression. I firmly believe that at, that Adley, that DL Hall is that dude. I think he is that dude. Kyle Bradish had control issues, and then look what happened to him when he came off the IL, and how good he was. I look at DL Hall, and I think that in 2024 and beyond. They're going to have one of the best top three young starting rotations. I'm talking about the top three guys in their rotation in Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, and D.L. Hall. I think that those guys are going to be studs, and they're going to lead the wave into a World Series. D.L. Hall is a huge part of that. I think he's a huge part of that as a starting pitcher. You can always move him to the bullpen. If, if I'm wrong, and I don't believe that I am, if I'm wrong and he fails, you can always move him to the bullpen, but there's no need to do that right now. There's no need for it. Keep him starting. I Again, I'm not advocating for a move at the moment. I'm just saying that I think the leash shouldn't be that long. Uh, I do think there, you know, if there isn't a lot of success this year, then they have to start realizing they're going to need to make that change. Well, uh, that's why he's going to end up being in the starting rotation for AAA. Which I and, think is the and, right move. And if he gets off to a seven-start stretch like he did at AA yeah. in 2021... Then they're going to bring him up. Mm-hmm. But look, look how long Kyle Brash's leash was last year. Yeah, it, I mean, know? it was pretty long. But then again, I, I would say that the the competitive nature of the two seasons and what they're trying to do is quite different. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it is. Well, and, Mike and, Elias I, said last year at, at the trade deadline that he didn't think they were going to go all the way. I mean, well, he I basically think, did say that. I don't think that might be his view this year, necessarily. I don't think he believes that they're going to... Uh, he wants to get to the postseason. He's he saying does. all the right things. Yep. I think that he still very much looks at this year as a year of evaluation. Oh, sure he does. And so that leads me to the next point. Did Mike Elias mislead us, or did ownership mislead Mike Elias? I, I think it's the latter. I think ownership probably misled. Again, I don't think a guy that operates the way he does, and just watching him over the past four years, I, I don't think he's making that comment if he doesn't believe it. Well, yeah, I I, I agree. And I don't think he's going to make a comment that he knows. I mean, he had to know that was going to be taken out of context, right? Uh, he had to know that. Well, if, if he, he knows that, then it's not out of context. No, but what I mean is if he doesn't do it, then he knows that people are going to come back at him and say, hey, right. you know, you're not doing I, which, is, which is what happened. I, I really believe that he went to the Angelos, to, to John Angelos, and was like, hey, I can get this player for these years and this amount of money. And he was like, well, what else How can Gibson's you do? Gibson's out there. He what, played in the World Series yeah. last year. Hey. What, what else can you do? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I, I think that's what happened. I really think it was a, the one of the beginning scenes in Moneyball situation. Okay. I really think that's what happened. But then you look at this team, and maybe that's not what happened. They weren't going to go out and sign Correa mm-hmm. or Turner or... Dansby Swanson, or who was the other shortstop? Uh, 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 Bogarts. Bogarts. They weren't going to do that because they don't think they need to. Mm-hmm. All right, they think that they that they're going to rest on their pitching and their defense this year, and they're going to keep Jorge Mateo at shortstop and hope that he improves a little bit here. Maybe they end up trading him at the deadline. Maybe they trade him in the package beforehand. But I think that mm-hmm. their plan is to keep Jorge Mateo at shortstop this year. Because if you look at what the infield is likely going to look like in 2024, Gunner's going to be there. If you believe Jim Callis, and I do, Jackson Holiday is going to be there. Mm-hmm. I think that they think that they have Trey Turner. In I think they think they have two Trey Turners Oof. in 
Gunner, and Holiday. Yeah, I mean, I, I would equate Gunner to more so of a Corey Seager rather than a. I think he's a got. I, I think he's got more speed. He might. I think he he, might. I, I think he's got. I, honestly, I, I think Gunner's Gunner. I think Gunner is going to end up being better than Corey Seager. I would. I would probably agree with that. The, the batting. I, I do, the batting eye at a, such a young age is elite. Jackson Holiday. They think that what Jim Cal said on our show is he's already a better. He's a better prospect than Bobby Whitever was. He's Whew. all. He said. I don't that, know. He said that. Um, he's already better right now. He thinks he's going to be better than Gunner because he's already better right now than Gunner was when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. The, he said that the, the batting eye is elite. The hit tool is elite, right? And he thinks that he has the athleticism to stick at shortstop. And if they don't put him at shortstop, if Gunner is at shortstop, he's going to move over to second base, right? I He thinks that, you, that they have two perennial all-stars in Gunner Henderson and... Jackson Holiday as early as 2024. So you look at the infield, Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday, either Jordan Westberg or Connor Norby, either Ryan Mountcastle or Kobe Kobe Mayo. Yeah. And Adley Rutschman is your catcher. You look at the outfield in uh Colton Kalzer, Heston Kerstad, and either Cedric Mullins or Anthony Santander, or maybe it's a combination and you all and one of those guys DH is some too. Any of those guys, DH is some too. Mm-hmm. You look at the starting rotation, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish. D.L. Hall, Dean Kramer, John Means, and that's before you factor in guys like Drew Rahm and Seth Johnson and all those other guys, right? Maybe Mike Elias is right. Maybe he's like, so this year, I don't think they, he's obviously evaluating the position players, but I think he's evaluating the rotation more than anything. Mm -hmm. Seeing what they have, weeding it out so that he knows what he needs to add to make this team a World Series contender in 2024, and I'm not carrying their water. I'm saying what? Well, what, the, the, do you believe so, in the in the number one farm system in all baseball? Yeah. If you do, then you believe what I'm saying. A lot. I think the problem and the disagreement that I have with what you just said is that Elias. We don't know if he's right, and we're not going to know if he's right for another three years. We don't know if he's right about Jackson Holiday. He probably is. Jackson Holiday is probably a really good player. You know, Jerome could be a really good pitcher. Uh, Seth Johnson, whatever, any of these guys we talk about, they could be really good, but they're all still prospects. They're all still unproven entities at this point. Of course they are. Elias is probably right on a lot of them, but we don't know. That's what this year is. But that's my point. That's what 2023 is for. Right, 100%. We're not going to find out about guys like Holiday and Seth Johnson because they're not going to debut in 2023, of course. So you're right. This is the development year, but I, I, I also think that Elias is. I, I'm not so sure that Elias should base what he does in free agency based off the the hope that these guys are going to be good players in the future. It's a probability, you know, that they might be, um, but we don't know. We never speak in definitives. It's hard to ever say that this guy is going to be that because he's not yet. If that makes sense, I'm trying to say that there's nothing for sure no, in baseball. Uh, well, yeah, we all we all know that. I'm, I'm not saying you don't. We we all know that. But then look at the first three draft picks of the Michael Elias era. Mm-hmm. Number one overall prospect, Adley Rutschman, yep. who next to um, JT Realmuto is the best catcher in the game already, mm-hmm. and he's played 120 games. Gunnar Henderson, some publications have him as the number one overall prospect in baseball. He debuted at 20 years old at the big league level. Kyle Stowers, organizational minor league player of the sure. year. Sure. The, the 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 draft picks that he made on uh, and then Hessen Kerstad Arizona Fall League MVP Jordan Westberg can I make an argument though so 
You look 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 at Jeff Luno, for example, uh, mm-hmm. the the GM of the Astros. He took Carlos Correa one year number one overall, and then Brady Aiken the next year, who never played a game in the major leagues and never really made it past Double uh, A. Right. Uh, so it, you it, never know. Right. That's all. But, I'm what, what, what I'm what I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that I know these guys are going to to be those guys. But when everybody is saying so, now look, everybody said so about Brian Mattis and Brady Aiken, and, and too. Yes, until they got the medicals. Uh, still a number one overall pick, though. There was reason to believe Brady Aiken was going to be a really, really good pitcher. Yeah, didn't was it him or was it Mark Appel? Both got, of them. Back, no, 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 back no, no, no I, I know that. Okay, was it him or was it Mark Appel that actually made their big league debut this year? Mark Appel did. Mark Appel yeah. did for the Phillies. Um, look. I'm not. I I believe that if you can get better, you should get better, and that a prospect is a prospect is a prospect. Mm-hmm. But I understand that they believe that the prospects that they have are going to be those players that just signed eleven years, three hundred and forty million dollar contracts. Yeah. They believe that Jackson Holiday and Gunnar Henderson are going to be those guys, and they don't have to pay them thirty six million dollars mm-hmm. a year right now because they're still so young. There's got to be the next wave of Corey Seegers and Trey Turners. And the Orioles might have two of those guys already in their system. They, they sure could. And, and th- that idea, thinking about that, 2023, they're going to be competitive. They, 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 they have, I think their starting rotations could be so much better than people are giving, credit, mm-hmm. giving them credit for. But they, they're young and they're unproven. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen is going to be good because I think they're still going to add to it. And they have some good, good arms. And the guys who don't stick in the rotation are still going to be good arms for the bullpen. Mm-hmm. The offense, I don't know about. It's a big year of evaluation and seeing what you have. Jordan Westberg and Connor Norby and Colton Cows are going to get some run this year. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Everybody should be excited about that. And, and so for me, I wanted them to spend big, but when I look at it, I, I understand why they didn't. Because of what 2023 really is, what it was always going to be. Last year didn't change that. I... I I get it. I mean, that's why I haven't been upset about it, really. Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with all of it. I, I don't think they should have... I, I don't think it absolves Michael Elias from getting a guy like Chris Bassett. I don't think that... No, it, it, I don't it, think any of it does. It doesn't, but it, the, the ire... And that's going to bring me to the next segment, which is the real discussion. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the ire with Michael Elias. If Michael Elias had said, yeah, this was a really good year, and we've got a lot of prospects we've got coming up next season that we really think are going to help us continue to take steps forward. Yeah. If that's what he said, there would have been fans upset. They'd be like, you need to add. They won 83 games. But there wouldn't have been this much dismay, this much anger, because he didn't say anything. Yeah. He said liftoff. He said they were going to be active early and often. He said they were going to significantly add to the payroll. And then he backpedaled on all of it. Mm-hmm. Reasons why was... Were, were his comments taken out of context? Did he want to have goodwill with the fan base and just said something that he didn't mean to say? Or was he misled by ownership? We don't know what happened. And we're never going to know what happened. What we do know is he made the comments he made and he backpedaled. Recent days, I've been called a clown. I've been told my, my takes are terrible. I'm very much like Andy Bernard in that episode of The Office where... The, the the short for the office series that the, the for the documentary they're filming the entire the entire series yep. um the trailer comes out and it's on YouTube and they have and Andy's playing the banjo in it mm-hmm. and 
they keep making negative comments, and he's responding to every single negative comment. That's me. You do I, do I, that. You I'm do. responding to every single negative comment because I know that I know what I'm talking about, and in my mind, you need to know that I know what I'm talking about. Why does it matter? It shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't care. And, and at the end of the day, I don't think about it as soon as I close my phone. Right, and my phone does close. It's one of those Z flips. So, um, my takes on lineups, pitching changes, wasted opportunities, and we looked. We talked about the Rays' season-ending stretch where they basically opened the door for the Orioles to walk in the playoffs, and we said, "Nah, shut that door back up." The last two losses to the Astros, where they left Felix Bautista in a batter too long, and then they had the winning runs on the winning run on third base with nobody out in the ninth in the tenth inning, and they didn't score. Uh, starting. Starting uh, Tyler Wells over Dean Kramer against the Blue Jays when he hadn't pitched in six weeks, uh, stuff like that. Those are legitimate takes because yeah. it's not smart. All right, those things cost the Orioles the playoffs. It was glaringly obvious. Yet I'm supposed to sit there and just be happy that the team is being relevant. And the whole point of me saying all of this is the only reason people are upset is because Mike Elias said that he was going to do this and then he didn't do it. And the the off season. It, there's still moves to be made, but he, the big ones that the people were expecting, they're gone. They're not happening. They're, those players are gone. The people that are upset about it, they want their team to get better. And you have all these other people saying, you act like the sky is falling. No, the people that think the sky is falling are the, the B more, at B More Center on Twitter who thinks that Michael Elias is a fraud, who thinks the Orioles are never going to spend money, who thinks that the, that the team is going to move, who thinks this, that, and the other. The... the nothing good will ever happen for the Orioles because they're just a poorly run franchise with a poor GM. That's the sky is falling. Our takes are this team took a really nice step forward last year. They're not that far away from taking that next step and getting into the postseason. If you add a top-of-the-rotation starter and you add a middle-of-the-order bat, you add two players and you get to the playoffs next year. And then when you don't do that, you say that you're going to do it and then you don't, that's what people get upset about. Doesn't being upset about that doesn't mean that the sky is falling. It doesn't mean that the progress for this rebuild and for this franchise has stopped. It just means that you're upset that you were misled and that the team didn't put their best foot forward to to win. I don't like this this participation trophy bullcrap, and that's what it is. We, I'm just happy to be here. The Orioles are relevant again. Cool. Be happy with your participation trophy. Some of us want to win championships. Some of us want that first place or that second place trophy and aren't going to be happy. Why is it okay to say, why is it okay with the Ravens, who are 9-4, and four, the three seed in the AFC, and they're in first place in their division with a leg up on the Bengals? Why is it okay for us to criticize them and say they're not a Super Bowl team? This team isn't any good. They have no offense. Let's get rid of the offensive coordinator. Why is that okay? But it's not okay to say the same thing about the Baltimore Orioles because your expectations are higher for the Ravens. Why are your expectations higher for the Ravens? Because they got good and they've been good? My expectations for the Orioles are the way that they are because, A, they are my first love. Baseball and the Orioles are my first love. But also, they got good this year and they missed the playoffs by three games and it was their fault. It was their fault that they missed the the playoffs. There were glaringly there were glaringly obvious things that they did, whether it was the the lineups or a misplay or swinging a pitches literally in Ryan Mountcastle's case 18 inches above your head that cost them ball games. It was their fault. They are this close, and I'm supposed to say, well, it's okay that you're this close because at least you won this year, 
And next year, if you're this close again, that's okay because at least you're relevant. I'm not okay with that. Take your participation trophy. You can be cool with that. I want this team in the playoffs and winning World Series. I want this team in the playoffs in 2023 because they're close and they can get there. That's my that's my soapbox because I'm just so tired of being accused of being uh, the sky is falling. I want the best for my team. Why don't you? I understand that. Yeah. I'm not talking about you. No, you I know. I'm, just, I'm saying I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think it was well said. I I think that Orioles fans, especially right now, are very opinionated. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone thinks they know exactly what Michael Elias should do and exactly what Michael Elias is doing. And frankly, not none of us probably know the, the exact plan and what it all is and, and why he's doing everything he's doing. So... You know, I, I believe in the. I believe in what they're doing. Um, you know, whether it's going out and trying to make this team better, uh, I believe if you know whatever Michael Elias is is planning to do is is probably going to work because it has so far. So I, you know, participation trophies. We can talk about that kind of stuff and and uh, you know and wanting to get better and and all of it. I mean, it's all one big discussion. But really, I think you just got to keep trusting the process and and not get so upset over over minimal things that probably won't matter to you when the Orioles are. A much better team in 2025 and 2024 even it's it's all you know it's it's what happens i, I think yeah. between fans and, and right now it's actually good to see i'll say that because you've seen such a drop off in, in the orioles fan base and to have this fan base be so alive and, and to have these people all conversing with each other is probably not a bad thing but again everyone's really opinionated and they 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 want to make their voice heard and look there's been a lot of gatekeeping right a lot of gatekeeping which is the worst thing ever by the right. way and there's been it, it's just Oh, you should be happy, and you're such a naysayer, and you're this, that, and the other. You can root the way you want to root. Let mm-hmm. me root the way I want to root. And I, I right, actually, that's what I, I'm I, I actually have a final thought on this. Okay, it's when people get so condescending about it, and they, they, they. We're gonna get into it. It's my final thought. I okay. actually wrote out a final thought for like the first time ever. Okay. It's, it's my final thought on it. But we do got to catch a break. Want to remind you that we're in the final days to pick up the current print issue of Press Box, featuring new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard on the cover. And coming this weekend, our annual this Wednesday, our annual best of issue hits newsstands with our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year on the cover and the top people, performances, and moments of the year in the local sports scene recognized inside last year. It was Justin Tucker on the cover because he kicked that 66-yard field goal. Absolutely good, incredible. Uh, Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm going to tell you right now, I have no idea. I, I'm a, I work for Pressbox, but they don't tell me this stuff. They didn't tell me last year when I was, when I was producing Glenn Clark Radio who mm-hmm. the sports person of the year was, and I was left to guess. My guess is that it's Adley Rutschman. I think it has to be almost. That that's, could be Gunner too, or it could be Brandon Hyde. But my my guess is that it's Adley Rutschman. Um, second would be Brandon Hyde. Okay, but that's my guess. Um, also want to remind you. I know we we talk about gambling a lot on here and the offers that we give you, but it's also it's an addiction if you don't keep it under control. It can be fun, but you need to set a limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. When we come back in, a little bit of trivia for Zach, final thoughts, and we close things out next on The Battle Round. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Join the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park for Christmas Tide Stakes Day on Monday, December 26. An exciting day of live horse racing awaits you with a whopping six stakes races worth $600,000 in prize money. Plus, enjoy a specially curated stakes buffet, a delicious hot chocolate bar, and hot cider cocktails. It may be cold, but Laurel Park has plenty of horse racing excitement, food, and beverages to keep you warm. Don't miss Christmas Tide Stakes Day at Laurel Park. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. All 
All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. The Bat Around today also brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. So check out buyatoyota.com today for deals on your new on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer. Uh, so Zach and I were just talking during the break. Um, we are taking part in Orioles podcast family feud. Um, my other my other show the. Um, uh, give that fan a podcast, which is hosted by Ryan Blake. I'm his co-host. I'm not. I'm not part of hosting the game show. Zach and I are on there as the bat around. Uh, we won our first round matchup against what we considered at the time to be the number one seed, Masson All Access, Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen. Yeah, and we beat them. They went up. They only if they so we won the first round. They won each of the next two. Mm-hmm. If we had lost the fourth round, we would have we we would have lost. Yeah. And I hit him with Corey Patterson. Corey Patterson with forty plus stolen bases yep. in, uh, in in a season. I believe it was t- two thousand nine, and minds were blown. I'm a, I'm a mind blower. I'm Cor- a, I'm Corey a, Patterson. Corey Patterson, and that 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 got us the fourth round. And then we got to the fifth round, and it was name a team that the Orioles have traded with mm-hmm. in, under Mike Elias. And Zach and I got it right. I said the Angels. The guess that we had was. The Marlins. Well, it was number three overall, the number three correct answer. Mm -hmm. Um, They guessed an answer that was was lower than ours. So we had an opportunity to play, and Zach said we should pass. And I was like, "Uh," but we passed. And Mass and All Access rattled off like five teams, four or five teams in a row. And I'm like, oh, my God. They couldn't get the Marlins. (laughs) They couldn't get the Marlins. They couldn't get the Marlins, so they got three strikes. And one other one. I, I don't remember what the other one was. There was one other on the board that... I think it was... Oh, it was Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was Tampa Bay. Which is wild. Um, They couldn't get the Marlins or Tampa Bay. So we had an opportunity to steal and win the the matchup, and we agreed Miami-Marlins, and that was... I mean, they've traded with them like four times. And that was it. And we ended up winning, so we go on to the second round. We're taking on Section 336. I have to think... And these guys are all knowledgeable. I have to think we're the one seed. I think we are. I, I, I after we, watching, we did this, really well, really well. And we both like I, I got it for the first round. We got Man- I got Manny Machado to move us on. Then you got us with Corey Patterson in the fourth mm-hmm. round. We picked each other up throughout the whole thing, mm-hmm. and we did. We worked together well. It was we we dominated. And the, really, the only reason we didn't sweep, I think, uh, because I, I think we we were a little. We 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 were knowing our stuff. We we yeah. were we were going well. Um, the only reason is because we decided to play, and we would leave like one answer on the board that we couldn't figure out. So right. I, we're going to do well. We yeah. we got uh, a strategy down I think now. We've, we're we've doing got well. a good strategy, and I think that I think we've got a good shot to bring it home. I, do, I totally I, agree. I think that we've got a really good shot to bring it home. All right. So trivia today. Trivia mm. brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, which is Tuesday. The next one is Tuesday, January third, at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. Guys, this is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia, and brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new. Ginsu Grill. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. And if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser show, do not stress. You can check it out every Friday night throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. So join us at Guilford Hall Brewery January 3rd for the final Tyus Bowser show of the season. Can't believe it's already the final. We're already in week 15 crazy, of the NFL season. Crazy. So trivia. So Ryan Blake, <laughs> as a host of, of Orioles podcast Family Feud, mm-hmm. has asked 
a question about jersey numbers twice, and they did not. Okay. They did not go well. I can do well with this. I the think. first one he asked, other than Brady Anderson, who has worn number nine, and it was crickets. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. They. I think only. I actually got three correct while watching it. Miguel Tejada. Well, it was uh, Miguel Tejada. Greg Zahn and uh, David Lowe were the three that I remember. Because Tejada in the second stage. I, I remember David Lowe for sure. Um, and then he asked, um, which Orioles have worn the number one? And right. I got Brian Roberts and I got um, Al Bumbry. Did not. I didn't think about. Can do you know when was the number one? Was that any another any show? number? That was. Uh, yeah, it was. A, it, that was Wednesday show. Okay, got it. Uh, got do, it. Do, can you name any other Orioles have worn number one? Is this my trivia question? Or? No, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm just asking. I don't want to steal one of his. Uh, I don't. Did Tim Beckham? Tim Beckham one? did. Yeah. Um. So you said Bumbry and who was the other one? Brian Roberts. Oh, Brian Roberts, of course. Yeah. Um. Number one. Did Aparicio wear number one? No. Um. More recent guys. Oh, recent. Okay. Let's think. Let's think. Let's think. Uh. Man, that's. It's probably like I always think of it as like your your smaller guys, your leadoff hitters, right. stuff like that. That's kind of what I always think of. As recently as this past season, Michael Bourne did he do it? No. As recently as this past season, uh, not Brett Phillips. No. Um, what number one? Number one. I feel like I remember former first this. round draft pick. Former first round draft pick and former um, uh, former rule five pick. Rule five pick, really. I'm blanking on this guy for some. Oh, Richie Martin. Richie Martin. That's okay. That's uh, what it is. There, there yeah. were others, and I can't. I, can't I forgot Richie him. played for this year's team. Yeah. I was trying to think of guys, and he played like six games. So I didn't remember. Okay, Richie I, I, I can't remember the other ones that were on there. Okay. But, um, can you also name any one-one uh, uh, players to play for the Orioles? Uh, Tim Beckham was one of them. Tim Beckham. Um, Tim Beckham. Delman Young was a one-one. Yep. Um, obviously, Ben McDonald, Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the four I can think of. Um, the one that I knew that nobody knew. B.J. Serhoff. Ah, yeah, was he a, did. Was a one-one. Okay. One. That was my that was my ace in the hole. Even though I wasn't playing, I was just watching. Yeah. That was my ace in the hole. And Harold Baines never knew he was a one-one. I one. didn't either, actually. Hall of Famer never knew he was a one-one. I didn't one. know that either. So it was it was it was fun. It was uh, the, the shows have been fun. Um, oh, he Ryan did an excellent job with it. So really good, did. so he, good. He really did. So the one gripe that I had with him on the last show was when um, the one team was trying to guess the right answer in the, the last question of the game. They were trying to guess the right answer. And what they were trying to do was steal. Mm-hmm. And there's supposed to be a time limit. Yeah. And it went a little long, I think. It went like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. It legitimately went like five minutes. I, 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 I did. I was see about that. to text him and be like, hey, bro, you went like five minutes with that. Don't be pulling <laughs> that crap in round two. Yeah, we gotta we gotta win this thing. Yeah, I, I, but, you know, I, I think three thirty six might be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, those guys have been they, around they know, for a long time. They 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 have been, but yeah. I was um I was shocked at um their performance to, okay. say, to say the least. They won, but I was shocked by their by, okay. by their performance. I thought they were going to be our biggest challenge. Um, I yeah. was shocked. Um, okay. All right. So in keeping with Ryan Blake's questions on Orioles podcast family feud, thirteen Orioles. And this is relevant because of Buster only. Okay. Since Mike Mussina left for New York, have worn the number thirty-five. You don't have to <laughs> name thirteen. Can you name five of them? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, Adley Rutschman, of course, mm-hmm, that's one. Um, is one of them. Number thirty-five. I got to really think here. I know Weeders was thirty-two. So that's are these more recent guys or kind of in the past? Um, it's all since two thousand one because Mussina oh, okay. left after two thousand. Oh, you said that's what you said. right. Okay. Since since Mussina left, Whew. um, and there are one. I'm sorry, one, two, th- three other guys that have worn. Oh, it. Uh, did Brad Brock do it? Brad Brock. Okay, he, he did. That's okay. two. Brad Brock. Wow. 
Um, Luke Scott, possibly? No. No. I think he was like number 16 or 26 or something. Okay, like that. something like that, yeah. Uh, Brad Brock and Adley Rutschman will be as far as I go. 35. Wow. Um, it's more of a pitcher number, I do feel like. So, um, let's see. Uh, on this list, one, two, three, four. Brian Mattis didn't do it, did he? No. He was 17. 17, yeah. Um, so you've got two. Chris Tillman was 30, so I don't believe the it. The last. Chris Tillman. One of the guys, the guy who did it before Adley Rutschman is a pitcher, but then you have... Jim Johnson? I, no, he's in no. the 50s. He's in the 50s. Uh, he was 51 or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Zach Brutman's 54. Um, but no, So the one guy was a pitcher, but then you have one, two, three, four straight that... Because um, you already guessed Brad Brock. Four straight next that are position players. You're telling me th- 13 people since Mike Messina were number 35. Mm-hmm. That's unreal. I don't me. think anybody should have, but... That's you know. unreal to me. It's uh, a Richmond. This is. I just feel like 35 was such a late number for the Orioles. That <laughs> it the, is. It, it shouldn't I, have been given to anybody that wasn't legit, in uh, my opinion. So Brad Brock was around, for, I think, since 2017. No, maybe his a first year was 2014. 20, wow, okay. 2014. Came over so from San Diego. Before that. Um, no, uh, one of them was 2021. Two of them. Two 20, of them. 2021. So you have one guy that was here. Drew Jackson didn't do it, did no. he? Yeah, right. one guy that was here 2019, 2020. Another guy that was, and he, I think he was here in 2021 also, but he, not very 2021. long. 2021. A pitcher that was here in 2021. Asher Wojciechowski? No. Warja, Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski, something like that. Uh, pitchers. But no. Aaron Brooks? No. Wow. Uh, <laughs> throwing out random ones at this point. I'm going to give you till the clock turns to 1220. Okay. My, it's 1219 right now. So when it turns to 1220, pitchers your time is 2021. Up. Uh,. But also pitched in 2020 for the Orioles. Not pitched. It's not all pitchers. It's not all pitchers, but just played in general. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. One guy's dad played in the big leagues and died. Oh, recently. Dwight Smith Jr. Dwight Smith Jr. Of course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr. Um, that was definitely the more recent one. Former uh, athletic Red Sox had a couple of stints with the Orioles. A couple of stints with the Orioles. Best year Red Sox. came with the Athletics, and he had a really solid year for the Orioles. Um, during their, I think it was actually 2018. He was really good for the Orioles. Not Seth Smith, was it? No. Okay. Um, Seth Smith was here in 2016. I, I said that Seth. I, I said that Seth Smith. Um, reminded me. The Adam Frazier is to me is yeah. like Seth Smith, but Pedro Alvarez didn't, did he? No. Okay. Um, I guess I'm out of time then. So you got three. Yeah. In order. There's Thirteen. Josh Towers. Oh, I never would remember that. Rick Helling, Matt Riley, Daniel Cabrera, Greg Aquino, Brad Bergeson. I would have remembered that. Yeah, I probably should remember that. Bill Hall, Omar Quintanilla. Nope. That I, I remember Omar. Quintanilla. I never. He, he was I, here in 2012. I've heard the name vaguely. Never would have known. He was scrappy. 35. He was a scrappy little player for them for like a week, and then he went. He fell off a cliff. <laughs> um. Danny Valencia. Oh, that, I, I should have gotten that for sure. That's the guy who had that. He had le- a re- if you had said lefty killer, I would have gotten he it. Was, he, was, yeah. he was pretty damn good here. I think yeah. he was like their best player in 2018. Yeah. Um, you got Brad Brock. You got Dwight Smith Jr. And the other pitcher, the pitch in 2021 that you were missing, Adam Pletko. Pletko, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Adam Pletko. Wow. That, that's a tough one because 
I don't know, a lot of those guys that played back in 2010, 12, I mean, when I was first kind of starting to watch baseball, I don't really remember, you know, their, yeah. their jersey numbers. Just jersey didn't numbers, really pay attention to it. Jersey numbers are really hard. Mm-hmm. They're really hard. Yeah. And one, that's one of the issues that I kind of have had. If, if I can pick an issue with the way that the podcast Family Feud is going, um, the... And they, I guess they have to be kind of notable. I feel uh, like. well. The the um like Omar. name name another player that's worn number one or n- number nine. That's most people aren't going to know that, right? But uh, so I can't believe he ha- he he got of seventy two people poll. He got enough answers correct yeah. that he could put them up there. That's um, surprising. Um, and two, a lot of these questions are like objective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, which Oriole would you pick to manage the team? <laughs> Which former Oriole would you pick to manage the team? Kind of how family feud is though. It, it's all and, and that's the thing. I like. Yeah. I I had to tell myself. Um, I mean, that's what I meant. Subjective. I, I I always mix those two up. I had to tell myself this is what they do on Family Feud. It's not yeah. trivia questions. It's like it's thought provoking questions, stuff like that. Um, but no, th- th- that whole thing has been going really well. So I'm gonna do final thoughts first uh, right. because mine's a little like. Yours is much more lighthearted than mine. Um, so my final thoughts, I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of saying I'm right and you saying you're wrong. We need to stop policing how people are fans of their teams. I may not agree with your way of going about it, but who cares? I'm always going to want my team to be the best it can be and point out the areas where they could have and should have done better to get there. And some of you are always going to look at the team and be grateful that they are relevant again and find the silver lining in things, and that's fine. Nobody needs to sling insults. Nobody needs to condescend. One of the things I hate most with these interactions is when somebody throws in an LOL after their statement, as if you're some kind of an idiot for not having the opinion that they have. We don't need to do that. There's a lot of people out there that hide behind a screen when they pop off saying things they'd never say to your face. So let's just stop. Root how you root. I'll root how I root. And hopefully we're all rooting for the same team winning a championship in the near future. The, the arguing, like, it's it's not needed. And, like, I know that's not how you are in real life. Mm-hmm. I know that you're not this, that, that you're not that person that would call somebody a clown to their face. You wouldn't do that. So why are you doing it behind the screen? Stop, stop. Let's just stop the crap. You root how you root. I'll root how I root. And we can meet in the middle when they win a championship. That's all I got. Go ahead. So I, I didn't really get a chance to say my thoughts on Adam Frazier. And that's my so No, 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 no. It's, a, it's perfectly okay. Um, so I figured I'd do it now. And, and final thoughts. I really like the Adam Frazier move. And you saw that on Twitter. I was pretty adamant about it, that I really thought the Adam Frazier move was good. I, I think he's an undervalued player. Um, I think he's a guy that you know didn't have a good 2022, and I understand that. But the 2021 numbers, uh, over a three-war player, hit over 300, on-base percentage up near 370. A guy that is not going to hit a lot of home runs. So I saw a lot of people saying, well, his OPS and his career is down near 700. And I'm going, because OPS, half of it is power. It's mm-hmm. all based on slugging. So, of course, his OPS is not going to be that high. He's an on-base percentage guy. This is one of those guys, if you watch his video, which I did pretty extensively this week, watched a lot of video on him, he's one of those guys that keeps his hands through the zone for a super long time. He's able to have that barrel control and be able to keep the barrel in the zone long enough to make contact with a lot of a lot of pitches. Um, it's a guy who's not going to walk a ton because his walk numbers haven't been that good but it's a guy that hits all fields it's a guy that knows the zone he has that plate discipline and he's a left-handed hitter who can spray the ball to all fields in a lineup basically full of righties in a camden yards that suits lefties and and let's not forget the shift is going away this year and they're banning that adam frazier i think is going to have a huge bounce back and be a you know he's not going to be 
a five war player, but if he's a three war player, that's a three and a half, almost four war upgrade over Rugnet Odor, and that's really significant for the Orioles. And I'm not even factoring in the fact that he's an elite plus plus defender. This guy, to me, really good fit. Super kudos to the Orioles for making this deal. I, I like it a lot. I really so, do. So for me, Adam Frazier is a complimentary player, and I've said that said that I think earlier on the show. He's a guy that you add to your roster. As a oh well, they got this guy and Adam Frazier, mm-hmm. right? And the other guy shouldn't be Kyle Gibson. He, they he's got not, Kyle he's Gibson, not a superstar, right? He's he, he's when I thought about adding a left-handed bat, I wanted it to be some guy who's going to hit in the middle of your order. Mm-hmm. He's either going to hit two or he's going to hit eight. I think he's going to hit eight. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and you say he if he's a three-win player, Ramona Rios is a three-point-six-win player. He is, and yep. he made zero errors at second base last year and won a Gold Glove at third base. But we, uh, but the Orioles won eighty-three games with Rugno Dador at second base for what one hundred and ten, one hundred twenty games. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's my yeah. point. And here. And it's a Ad- Ad- Adam Frazier makes you better. And to yeah. Stan's point, Ramona Rios has improved that he can stay healthy throughout an also correct throughout yeah. an entire season, but. When he is healthy, he hit 16 home runs and played gold, gold yeah. glove caliber defense at two different positions. No. If you, I mean, you, uh, you know that Gunnar Henderson and Jorge Mateo are going to be playing on the left side. In no I, way am I denying uh, the, the what Ramon Arias has done. He's been good, right. no doubt. And look, Adam Frazier, I said before because I was irritated by the signing because it didn't make sense to me at the time. He does make your team better yep. because he's better than Roof Neto Door, and he's a guy who's going to play really good defense. And the Orioles this year are really stressing their up the middle defense to go along with their young pitching mm-hmm. staff, and I totally understand that. It was more so this is the left-handed bat that they got, yeah. and but not the left-handed bat that we were, that, that we need. So for me, I, the Orioles have made a lot of small free agent deals uh, mm-hmm. under Michael Elias. This is the first free agent deal I actually am excited about. Yeah. I'm actually legitimately like, wow, I'm looking forward to watching this guy at opening day. Yeah. Kyle Gibson, no, not really. Uh, Jordan Lyles last year, no, not really. And then before that, there really wasn't any major league signings outside of a guy like Freddie Galvis, and he's not another one I'm going to get excited Jose, about. I was excited about Jose Iglesias um, just because... Yeah, Iglesias was fun. I'll give you yeah. that. He was a fun one. For the um, 37 games he played. Yeah, the, the defense was a lot of fun. Then he got traded, obviously, but... And he had 373. Tim, he, he was really good for the Orioles for a little while. Um, but this is one that actually gets me excited, and I, I can truly say this one adds value in, in, in numerous ways, and I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see that. Well, and when he comes up in the order, if he's back to the 2021 and beyond, and previous version, yeah. when he comes up in the order, you're like, oh, God, here we go. Right? You're like... No, he's not going to hit a home run. He might surprise you every now and again, but he's going to put the battle. Double to the gap. He's going to put the bat on the ball. Yeah. And one of the biggest issues that the Orioles had last year is getting guys on base and then not putting the bat on the ball. Yeah. So he does have the on base capabilities. He doesn't strike out. Right. He has uh, top five percent in in whiff rate um, in the good way. So uh, I'm excited. I, I'm not going to say I'm excited. But I'm fine with him being here. I just hope that he's not the only bat, but it looks like he's probably going to be. So, all right, that's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, real quick, Ravens play the Browns at 4.30. They do. 4.30 today. Tyler Huntley um, is going to start. He cleared Thank con- God. concussion protocol. <laughs> uh, J.K. Dobbins came back last week and had 15 carries for 120 yards and a yeah. touchdown. Um, hit... 21 miles an hour on that 44-yard yep. run, even though didn't it look like he was running with, like, dragging his he leg? He got caught up uh, with very quick. I think but he slowed it, down at the end. It, but it was Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka yeah, Fitzpatrick is, is, Good is fast. Um, but he, he looked like... he's He thinks he's only about 70 or 80% of what he can be, yeah. but he looked more like J.K. Dobbins than he did at the beginning of the year. 
Um, I'm expecting the Ravens are on the ball a lot yep. today. I'm expecting their defense to have a lot to say. David Ajabo making his NFL debut. Yep. Um, so they're going to have a better, a little bit, hopefully a little bit better of a pass rush than they had last week because that was a concern yeah. last week. Um, I hate to say it, but Adafi away has done nothing all yeah. year. And he, he, he's kind of been benched a little bit. He, he, uh, he has been. He just got a second sack against the Broncos. Yeah. Like, he's really struggled. They, uh, they, they've got to make a, uh, a little bit of a change. So hopefully Ajabo is that guy. Yeah. What are your, uh, what's your prediction for today's game? I'm going to go low scoring again. The Browns under Deshaun Watson so far haven't scored a lot of points, um, and he hasn't been necessarily good for them. And Tyler Huntley is not the world's best passer, and they it's it's a run-based offense, which makes me think they're going to run. And it's that. all short passes. Right, it's all short passes, long drives. I'm going to go uh, give me 20 to 16 Ravens. 20 to 16 Ravens. Yeah. I'm going to say Ravens 24 Browns, Browns twenty one. Okay, I think Deshaun Watson's going to have a decent game. Um, I think the Ravens are going to run the ball a lot and and control the clock. You think the Browns are going to score three touchdowns? <sighs> Nick, I, mean, Chuck, I guess I could see it. I could see it. I, I just every game's been close. Mm-hmm. Every game's mm-hmm. been close. It's his first home game. Um, they don't want to lose to the Ravens both games and especially the second game at home. Um. And it's it's not Lamar Jackson. If it was Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, but it's it, it's Tyler Huntley. So hopefully they just don't turn the ball over. Ravens are going to win twenty four twenty one. I do have a question before we go. I am I'm facing you in the fantasy playoffs <laughs> in the one league. I snuck in there in yeah. the, at the last second. Two, I snuck two teams, in there. Two teams went six and eight. Yep, you included. Yep. And, and one and got into the playoffs. Yep. League. It, four teams were above five hundred. Mine, my wife, um, my buddy Josh, and his buddy Dave. Yeah. We were all. Josh and Dave were twelve and two. I was nine. I was ten and four, and Laura was nine and five. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody else was six and eight or worse, which is crazy. Yeah. But in my other league, I'm in the playoffs. I snuck in at the last second. I started six zero in that year and finished the season eight and six. Oh wow! I, I I went six zero and then lost four straight. Wow. Okay. Um, and five of six. I have Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. He doesn't play till four thirty till four o'clock tomorrow. Yep. He had the ankle injury. He didn't practice Wednesday. Didn't practice Thursday. Was limited on Friday. Okay. Should I start him because of the, what he does in the passing game and the running game, or should I start Gus Edwards? I saw something about Damian Harris. Let me check on that real quick because Wait, I think it, that would be a, a significant uh, difference. And So Damian Harris has been ruled out. That was as of today. He's out. But Damian Harris and is out. Do we have any updates on Ramondre Stevenson? I'm assuming he'll play, right? I would think. I, I would, If he's playing, I have to start him over Gus Edwards. I, I think you do too because Gus is... He's a change I, I, of pace back for the Ravens exactly. and, and that bruiser and... J.K. Thomas is the clear number one right he, now. He's the clear number one, and also Gus Edwards used to vulture touchdowns, but and I think that he'll get red zone carries. Yeah. But J.K. Dobbins, sixty before his touchdown run last week, sixty four percent of his runs in, from the five yard line and in resulted in a touchdown. Yeah. So yeah. he's their guy to, against the Bills. He had two rushing touchdowns in his first game back. He's their guy. Yeah. Inside the five. So unless Edwards breaks one or the Ravens are up. Or, in the, or the Ravens are on the, like, the one-yard line and, and Dobbins got stuffed twice and then they give to Edwards, I think i got to start Stevenson. I'd go Stevenson, especially I'd, given the, the Patriots passing game and, and the lack thereof. Yeah. I, I would go Stevenson. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Battle Round. Enjoy the Ravens game. Guys, we have no show next week or the week after. For the, so we're off for the holidays. Happy holidays. Enjoy it. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. We'll see you next time. See you.